This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up whatever you want, toll free at 800-259-9231 as we launch into hour number one. Ian here with you. And Mark. That's the packet 8.net toll free line for you, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, we give them away, so enjoy those. They're on us, freetalklive.com. We start things out by going straight to the phones because this is the show about your calls. Let's go to the amplifier line and talk to Brian in Colorado. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, Brian. Hey, evening, guys. Hey, what's on your mind? Hey, uh, uh, a while ago, uh, a week ago or so, you were talking about the real story behind marijuana prohibition. Yes, the history, the sordid uh, history of marijuana prohibition. Yeah, right. Where it was uh, two groups. It was the uh, it was the alcohol distillers or the, the liquor, you know, industry, and uh, 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 Randolph Hearst, uh, because he he saw paper as a uh, as being threatened by hemp. Yeah, I don't know if it was the liquor industry as much as it was just uh, the uh, Hearst as well as some textile manufacturers and just racists in government that didn't like uh, Mexicans and, and blacks. Right, yeah, it was a racist kind of thing, right, exactly. Right. Well, I, I, was, um, I was researching absinthe, mm. absinthe being the, uh, uh, the liquor in France and uh, what is currently the Czech Republic was called Bohemia back then. Yeah, I believe it is made from a plant, uh, it's liquor, but it's somehow steeped, or uh, I guess roots from the plant called wormwood uh, are steeped into it, and that's got some sort of a psychedelic substance. Am I correct on that? Well, that, that was, that's, that's the popular story, but I'm not really sure that's true. There have been a lot of research since then. But, but the interesting part, yeah, it, it's wormwood, which kind of looks like a, like a dried grass, mm-hmm. and anise, which is, you know, black licorice, and um, a couple of other things. <laughs> I do but, love but, a good uh, piece of anise. Oh, boy. <laughs> Just move on. Let's, <laughs> okay. let's move on. Uh, so what happened was, uh, I, in, in, of course, who knows what the real history is, but, but at that time, I guess there was some kind of a blight in the grape production, uh, some kind of insect got the grapes in France. And, of course, you know, the French love their wine. And so the, the winemakers weren't able to produce enough wine to satisfy the French palate, the sophisticated, you know, French uh, cafes uh-huh. and all that. Okay. And, and so, uh, you know, absinthe doesn't use any grapes. It's a, it's a total grain alcohol using, you know, wormwood. And, in fact, the, the French word for, for, for wormwood is, is anise something. Or not, I'm sorry, uh, uh, absinthe, some absinthia or something. Mm-hmm. That's where it gets its name. So, so the absinthe producers were, were uh, Johnny on the spot to produce more of that stuff than, you know, because there was no wine left. Gotcha. And so uh, everybody kind of grabbed onto this absinthe. And at the same time then, all of the big guys, you know, Van Gogh, Degas, all the rock stars of the day were, were cooking this stuff. And so, of course, you know, the population kind of did it as well because there's no wine around. Right. So uh, the, the thing that makes it green, absinthe is this wonderful green color, is they take the, the clear alcohol, which is, you know, grain alcohol, which is clear, and then they, they, they put some color in it by adding, you know, plants back into it. And it's the chlorophyll and some other things you see that makes it green. Okay. Well, but that takes a while. And so what happened was that the, uh, the manufacturers or some other, the cheaper manufacturers, they wanted to make their stuff green. The demand was off the charts. And so they added uh, copper sulfate to this stuff to make it green, and they sold it really cheap. Hmm, okay. And so people started dying, you yeah. know. <laughs> uh, and, you know, a little bit of copper sulfate, a lot of copper sulfate makes you die, a little bit makes you kind of wacky, I guess. And so once the, uh, the uh, alcohol production, or the grape production came back online, the uh, wine manufacturer was saying, hey, you know, we're back. <laughs> and everyone says, hey, no, we really like this absinthe stuff. 
Oh. And so it was the it was the wine manufacturers that were behind the uh, eventual uh, prohibition of absinthe from France. Mm. Interesting. I didn't know that about absinthe. I don't think a lot of people are are aware of the existence of absinthe. It's it's a banned. You can't import it, I believe, into the United States. Is that true? Or there's some sort of a. Uh... I, I got a, I got a bottle last week. Was now, it imported? I, it, I, I, yeah. Well, I, I, I I'm not sure it was actually imported. As in, you know, this is what it is. Let it in. I, it was just a, a box that came by by FedEx, uh, you know, that said uh, goods or something. So I, I'm not sure. In fact, uh, Wikipedia says that the the legal status uh, of absence in the U.S. is uh, unknown. You it says a prevailing consensus of interpretation of the U.S. law and regulations among American absinthe connoisseurs is that it's probably legal to purchase such a product for personal use in the United States. It is prohibited to sell items meant for human consumption, which contain thujone, uh, customs, which absinthe does. Customs regulations specifically forbid the importation of absinthe. Uh, absinthe can and be occasionally is seized by the United States Customs if it appears to be for human consumption and can be seized inside the U.S., with a warrant. So you can buy it in the United States, you just can't import it into the, the United States. Uh-oh. Yeah, well, I wouldn't be too concerned. So, 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 I, so I bought this uh, for, uh, I, I bought it, and I'm feeding it to the dogs. That, yeah, that's why. <laughs> there you that's go. That's officer. Exactly, no, I mean, perfect. It, it, it came right in. I now, mean, what uh, is, so I, I take it you are a connoisseur, you're an absinthe connoisseur? This is the first drink I ever had. I just, I, I heard about it, and then when you mentioned the marijuana thing, I thought, yeah, there's something there. So I researched it a little bit and tried to figure out, you know, what is the draw of this thing? It tastes a lot like ouzo, you know, the, the anise drink from, uh, from Greece. Hmm, I don't know. Uh, it. it didn't make me crazy. You know, I, I didn't cut my ear off. Okay, that's good. Did you hallucinate at all, well, or was there any, was it, you know, uh, how well, was it different it's, it's from 70, a uh, standard alcoholic drink? It's 70% alcohol. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think any sort of hallucination would have happened anytime you drink a 70% grain alcohol. Wow, you know, that's 140 proof. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's hefty. And it's, really, it's kind of bitter. You know, they, they recommend, you know, uh, dripping it over, a, over an ice cube, or not, not an ice, a sugar cube, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, ice water over a sugar cube to make it kind of, you know, uh, so people who can't handle that kind of richness can, can deal with it. Gotcha. I, you know, I just chugged it straight. <laughs> how many? Uh, how many? I guess uh, hits did you take? How many drinks? Uh, drinks? Did ounces? You have? How many drams? Yeah, <laughs> I, I had an ounce. I, I, I just had one okay, over so, the weekend. But so, but they said I guess Van Gogh or somebody, one of these writers said, um, uh, one makes you kind of high, two makes you sick, three gives you clarity. <laughs> Interesting. You'll have to get, uh, try three sometimes and call us, call us when you're on it. Well, you have to add copper sulfate. <laughs> Thanks for the call, yeah, Brian. That, that's, that's the trick. All right, we appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. I don't know if I don't think you were around for this one, Mark, but there was a little while, a long while ago on Free Talk Live, back in our local days, that we actually had Crackhead Bill come into the studio, mm-hmm. and he had somehow gotten his hands on a bottle of absinthe, and he was drinking absinthe on the air. Actually, I think we had him drink it off the air, and then he would just report in with his uh, his his status. Well, he doesn't even when he was on the air, he didn't talk much. Right, right. So, uh, so that was kind of interesting listening to his description of uh, of what it was like to be on absinthe. And if did he, you are, did he consider it different than alcohol? Oh yeah, 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 definitely. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, if you are a uh, Free Talk Live amplifier, you'll eventually come across those shows because as uh, Free Talk Live amp numbers continue to go up, we continue to release classic episodes of uh, Free Talk Live. So eventually that one will come up in the rotation. Now, I have uh, disappeared off of the, uh, the the archives that are being released at this point because I have... I think you have, yeah. Yeah, I've been fired at that point. Right. It's Todd now. Yes. <laughs> who I who I met and brought into the studio for the first time. Did you? Yeah. You remember he was at the... Uh, the he was a biker in... At the uh, Hooters event. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Enough re- uh, retrospective. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. The uh, Wikipedia article on uh, absinthe fairly extensive so if you've ever wanted to know about absinthe you should probably head over that way i know it's it's relatively easy to get your hands on if you are somebody that wants to to find absinthe it won't take you too many steps to get it so i would use google to bring up whatever relevant information pretty much you can go on the internet's there and and look at uh, all kinds of people selling it i don't know that they'll actually ship it to you but uh they're selling it it is a uh, called a distilled, highly alcoholic, anise-flavored spirit deriving from herbs, including the flowers and leaves of the medicinal plant Artemisia absinthium, also called Grand Wormwood. Although it's sometimes incorrectly called a liquor, absinthe is not bottled with added sugar and is therefore cla- uh, classified as a liquor. As opposed to a liqueur. Yeah, or spirit. So, and it is often referred to as the green fairy because of its coloring, typically a naturally created pale or emerald green, but sometimes clear or artificially colored. Due to its high proof and concentration of oils, absinthures, who are absinthe drinkers, typically add three to five parts ice-cold water to a dose of absinthe, which causes the drink to turn cloudy, called louching. Often the water is used to dissolve added sugar to decrease bitterness. So there you go. Now you know a little bit more about absinthe than you've ever known in the past. 800-259-9231, the toll-free number. Coming up, can cannabis, marijuana help with obesity? It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the packet8.net toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features there, we give them away. And that does include the archives. An entire year's worth of the show right there. Front page of the website for your downloading convenience. Enjoy. They're on us. freetalklive.com. What's your liberty issue? Is it taxes? Register now for the February of 2007 New Hampshire Liberty Forum. Speakers to include Christopher Gronsky. He's the New Hampshire coordinator for the We the People Congress and a taxpayer activism panel. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. For more information and to get registered, that's freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. You know, Mark, there's going to be so much going on at the Liberty Forum. I just the speakers, the libertarian luminaries that are going to be there, just the the camaraderie that people are mm-hmm. going to experience, actually being in the same place with a large amount of people that feel generally the same way that that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that's going to be cool enough. But I mean, there's there's actually things going on outside of the forum. I saw a post on nh3.com's forum the other day. Some guys having a party ten minutes away from Concord yeah. on Saturday night. So there's going to be some shindigs. Apparently, he. Uh, I, I know the gentleman, and he has parties regularly. And it's Kevin, yeah, yes, he he can he can throw a party. Really, you've been to one? I, I have not been to one, but uh, everybody who talks so to me about them, so it seems. Huh? Yes. Well, I've talked to. I went to um, Manch one night for mm-hmm. karaoke, and I talked to a whole bunch of uh, free staters over there, and uh, got to sing Space Lord. And nice. They. Uh, 
they were like, oh, yeah, you've got to go to Kevin's party. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the, anyway, it's going to be the place to, uh, to it's, I think the Liberty Forum is going to be the Liberty event of the year. And we're going to be there. Looking forward to seeing you there as well. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum for more information. Okay, so, Mark, apparently, did I hear this right? There's some sort of news or allegations about marijuana possibly helping with obesity? So it says here, um, Reuters, London. Human trials of an experimental treatment for obesity derived from cannabis, which is commonly associated with stimulating hunger, are scheduled to begin in the second half of this year. Britain's GW Pharmaceuticals PLC announced Tuesday. Several other companies, such as Sanofi Aventus, which is uh, investigating Accomplia, which um, are also working on new drugs, which will switch off the brain's circuits that make people hungry when they smoke cannabis. GW Pharma, however, says it's derived its treatment from cannabis that could help suppress hunger. Hmm. The cannabis plant has 70 different cannabinoids in it, which and each of them has a different effect on the body. GW Managing Director Justin Glover told Reuters in a telephone interview, some, some can stimulate your appetite, some can, in the same plant, can suppress your appetite. It's so amazing. in that case, they're going to sort of isolate the particular can- cannabinoids that would s- suppress it. Yeah. And essentially create a, uh, a a special version of marijuana that only has those cannabinoids in it. I think it's going to be a or pill. Some pill. I, I suspect it's going to right. be a pill. He says it's both it's amazing both scientifically and commercially, and it it seems um, that at it least is an amazing plant. It seems to be an amazing plant, or at the very least, it's being touted as an amazing plant. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, besides getting you high, these cannabinoids seem to do all kinds of things. Yeah, awesome. And of course, the brain has cannabinoid uh, receptors, so we're actually built. To receive these uh, these little dealies, maybe maybe the are. religious people are right. Maybe uh, cannabis is in fact a a holy plant. It could very well be. I mean, you know how can how can you um, how can you an atheist uh, sit there and say that if your brain's set up to take cannabinoids and this plant has cannabinoids that marijuana isn't in fact holy? How can you do that? <laughs> I don't know. I've certainly smoked enough. Of it. <laughs> well, God bless you. Drugs have uh, have to pass three stages of tests in humans before being eligible for approval by regulators in a process that takes many years. Probably not. Uh, there have been plenty of tests of marijuana mm-hmm. on people. Sanofi Aventus Accomplia, which uh, I guess this is the name of a drug um, that they're uh, um, making, which also suppresses hunger, which um, it believes can achieve a $3 billion in annual sales, is already on sale in Europe, and it is waiting for the U.S. regulatory decision in April. Several other big drug companies also have uh, similar products to Accomplia in clinical trials. GW is best known for developing Sev. Tevix, a um, treatment derived from cannabis that fights hmm. spas, um, spasticity, spasticity in multiple sclerosis patients. Um, Stavix is under the tongue spray, which has been approved in Canada, but it hit delays with regulators in Britain. Um, GW, I don't think it's here in the United States yet. Either. I suspect it isn't. It has that evil, evil plant in mm-hmm. it. GW submitted Stavix. Don't want anyone getting help from that plant. Um, for assessment of several European regulators in September in hopes to secure approval for the U.K., Denmark, Spain, and the Netherlands in the second half of this year. The company said on Tuesday, GW's marijuana plants are grown indoors in a secret location in southern Europe. Nice. I take it they England, have, excuse me. I take it they have permission from the government to, uh, to engage in these How secret is it? I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. I think that's fantastic. I think the more research... I think, the, and, and I think that for some reason the United States government is is deathly afraid of this. But the more research that is done into uh, the cannabis plant, the more interesting things we're going to find out about it. The more uh, benefits we're going to discover, how this can help people live more comfortable lives, 
In this case, possibly helping people with a, an obesity problem suppress their hunger. In uh, other cases, helping people with multiple sclerosis, uh, people with AIDS and, and cancer to keep their medicines down. These are just some of the things that have been discovered so far through the very bare minimum of uh, testing that we've seen over the past several decades. Imagine if the marketplace were actually opened up to where anybody who wanted to test uh, to run tests on cannabis and grow their own for whatever reasons, uh, whether commercial or or research-based, would be able to do so. It would be wonderful for possible new developments to, to help people. But for some reason, the U.S. government stands in the way every single time. And is it really? does it really go back to uh, the, the original days of marijuana prohibition in that are there still people lobbying behind the scenes to keep pot illegal? Just is the, the cops. the timber industry still lobbying against it? Or is I it just the cops that. who want to keep their uh, sweet, sweet... Drug budgets. Bu- bureaucrats are powerful individuals. I mean, you you see, once a program's in place, it doesn't go away. And this is a and and marijuana anti marijuana um, action on the police part is a huge program. It pays a lot of people. Um, I'm really looking forward to this. The idea of I'm not looking forward personally, but I think that this the idea of this drug is is really great because I personally can't take uh, weight loss stuff because it's all all has stimulants in it, hmm. and uh, stimulants just make me mean. Okay, um, as evidence like by my diet coke here. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think that this will be real. There's got to be other people out there like me that uh, can't take the stimulants. And therefore, this will be great for, uh, you know, people that need to lose weight and can't have the stimulants. You know, I don't personally need it. I'm a svelte 163, but, uh, you know, somebody else does. And I think it's cool because it flies in the face of sort of the typical things you hear about marijuana. I mean, the, the, Usually you just hear, oh, you smoke pot and you just want to get it. You want to eat a bunch of munchies and that's, Cheeto time. Yeah, that's sort of the uh, the standard um, suggestion when it comes to pot, and it's just not true. Um, for me, at least, when I, when I smoke marijuana, if I'm hungry naturally, for instance, I get hungry every four hours. Okay. If I eat four hours later and I haven't eaten in four hours, I'm hungry. You should eat more. Um, and so if I have eaten before I smoke marijuana. I'm not going to get hungry all of a sudden. I've already eaten. I'm fine. I think it just, um, I think what it does, and it, it confuses people, I think what it does, it just simply accentuates your natural state. So if you're naturally hungry, mm-hmm. you're going to notice it more when you smoke the marijuana. That's all. I think people just sort of misinterpret it. Could be. I, I, I like the feeling that I get from eating while, um, when I've been stoned. It's been quite some time. But uh, I like that. So I think uh, interesting research. Thanks for bringing it up. 800-259-9231 if uh, you've got comments on that. Also, on the way, the military still having trouble recruiting. We'll tell you where they're going to turn to next for their next batch. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 1-800-259-9231. That's 800-259-9231, the packet, 8.net toll-free line for you. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there, we give them away. That does include the wiki, wiki.freetalklive.com. Over 900 pages created by listeners like you. It's like the listener-editable version of our website, wiki.freetalklive.com. Uh, coming up, still going to talk about the military and where they're looking to 
for their next batch of recruits, which might surprise some people. But first, since we were talking about the uh, war on drugs, I guess by proxy, we were talking about marijuana for Mm -hmm. medicinal purposes. I just stumbled onto this story in the email box. Dustin Riley and his ex-wife, Andrea, were in trouble. According to the Salt Lake Tribune, they were arrested together in 2005 for drug possession. Both had attended rehabilitation programs, but Andrea was facing up to five years in jail and had skipped out on her sentencing hearing in December. She didn't want to go to jail. Hmm. Though serious, (laughs) their problems were not the sort of thing that usually ended in a double suicide. Oh, no. Recently, Dustin Riley, who's 26, sprayed gasoline on the inside of his green Ford Explorer at a Salt Lake City gas station. As Andrea, who's 27, watched, both then got into the vehicle, drove a short distance, and set the car ablaze. Witnesses heard... uh, What a way to go. Wow, what is this... Somewhere near, somewhere really close to nutty. Yeah, witnesses heard the SUV explode into flames and a woman screaming. They saw flames shoot from the vehicle. The explosion, which occurred about 3 p.m. at a station in wherever, was so intense it shook windows at the nearby Red Lion Hotel. A nearby. Can Salt you Lake imagine? Um, I mean, I, it's it's hard to imagine that uh, somebody could spray uh, what 10 gallons of gasoline into their SUV and get in it and and be in it, and, and that, that people wouldn't say, "Hey, what are you doing?" Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, what are you going to do? I mean, say what you're doing. Well, hey, what are you doing? I'm just spraying this. Leave me alone. I don't know. Do you want to talk to somebody who's doing something like that? I, I don't know what I want to do. Yeah. How I, would you respond if you saw someone doing that in the uh, parking lot at the gas station? I wouldn't. I wouldn't do just a gallon of gas. I can tell you that it would. Um. In and gas seems to pump slower these days. I remember when I was younger, it pumped faster, and I, it would. It would seem depends like- on the pump you're at. I've st- I've encountered some pumps that are still pretty quick. Find me a fast pump. I'm 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 looking for that. A nearby Salt Lake City police officer arrived on the scene first and tried unsuccessfully to attack the inferno with a fire extinguisher. When fire crews arrived, it took them several minutes to put out the blaze. They eventually looked into it and indeed they determined that it was a double suicide. In recent months, uh, Dustin Riley had been charged in separate cases with two third-degree felony counts of possessing heroin, each punishable by, uh, by up to five years in prison. Defense attorney told said that Riley wasn't even facing jail time because prosecutors had agreed to let him enter pleas in abeyance, which means that the case is dismissed once a defendant completes certain conditions imposed by the court. His ex-wife was a co-defendant in one of his drug cases. Andrea Riley was also charged in another drug case, and she had pleaded guilty to two counts of third-degree felony drug possession. She was to be sentenced in late December, but failed to appear. She was then, obviously, there was a warrant issued for her arrest. The pair had a four-year-old daughter... Oh, man. Um, uh, they obviously left behind. He said that Dustin recently had financial troubles, had lost a car and his home. He hadn't contacted his parents in the last four weeks, and it appears he didn't ha- he didn't even leave a note to explain his actions. They had no idea until the police knocked on their door. 1-800-259-9231. It's really it's sad. It's a sad, tragic story that wouldn't have happened if it weren't for the, the war on drugs. Well, it's certainly a factor, but these people are messed up. We're, we're messed up. I mean, if they, he wasn't even facing jail. He was just facing, you know, some yeah. trouble, and he had some financial troubles. It's a factor. It, it's a it's a huge factor. I mean, the woman was facing a jail term. She didn't want to go, and um, I don't know. Maybe she talked him into going out with her. I don't know. It's hmm. it's just disturbing, and and I think these people would be alive today. Justice Catherine Johnston, the 90 year old woman who shot three cops, would be alive today. Those cops wouldn't have uh, bullet wounds in in their bodies, and so many other people who have perished in this war on drugs would all be living probably productive lives. And you know maybe there'd be a handful that would overdose and 
go out that way, but good riddance to them. You know, Darwin at work. I, I just really think it's tragic when stories like this happen, and that's why I wanted to share it with you. Mm. As we go to uh, the story that I promised you, which is the military. Now, we know that uh, here on Free Talk Live, we've been covering the military's woes, specifically the Army and the National Guard. The rest of the branches, they've been doing all right with recruiting, but the, the Army and National Guard, not having a good time. Uh, they've, they haven't been meeting their goals. In fact, since they haven't been meeting their goals, they've been lowering their goals in hopes that they can actually meet the lowered goals, which they also apparently, from what I understand, aren't meeting either. I wonder if the other branches, it would seem to me that the other branches may be lowering their goals slightly too, because if people are not wanting to go in the Army, it would seem like they would be not wanting to go in the other branches and you know, to some extent, you know, it, the, the amount of people willing to go into the military has lowered. So therefore, maybe the other branches have lowered themselves slightly. Maybe you know, it just without, hasn't made the news without you know mentioning it to anyone, and they're they're calling off the top of what the army would get, and then gotcha. the army, you know, which traditionally has taken the uh, you know, I mean, these are the the the, gr- the, these, are the these are the people on the yeah. front lines, you know, they're they're bullet catchers, and so. You know, they're the one, that's where they're facing their problems. I'm just guessing at this. Well, here's the latest from the Boston Globe. The armed forces already struggling to meet its recruiting goals are considering expanding the number of non-citizens in the ranks. Now, didn't we talk about this? I, th- I think that this is the way it's going to go. Yeah, you mentioned that it was going to do this. I thought they were going to go for uh, prisoners, mm-hmm. and I know they've been, they've been approaching them as well, but not probably in as big of a way. Well, prisoners make money for the government. And yeah. it doesn't seem like they would, you know, the, the state governments rely on federal money um, for, you know, for each prisoner they have. So they're not going to want um, the feds taking their money away from them. And um, whereas you can bring, you know, it, it just it fits the whole scheme. There's a lot of Republicans out there. I would say I would say the anti-immigration um, movement's largely Republican. Mm-hmm. Well, you can it's just a guess. I, I don't know. I mean, lots of Democrats don't like them, too. But you can make. Republicans happy and even moderate Democrats by opening up the military to uh, immigrants because, oh, well, they're doing something good for us now. So it really it has much better PR than uh, taking convicts over there and letting them loose with weapons. Well, they're actually considering opening recruiting stations overseas and putting more immigrants onto a faster track to U.S. citizenship if they volunteer. I don't see why you have to do that. You just tell Mexicans. I mean, you know, just put put some recruiting stations right on the border. That's what they're t- – well, I mean, overseas, I, I, I'm sure they're considering doing some in Mexico as I well. I wouldn't think you'd have to go anyplace else. Foreign citizens serving in the U.S. military is a highly charged issue which could expose the Pentagon to criticism that it's essentially using mercenaries to defend the country. Other an <laughs> analyst voice concern. Ah, how we circle back. Now we're England. That uh, large contingent of non-citizens under arms could jeopardize national security or reflect badly on w- Americans' willingness to serve in uniform. Yes, it's basically we can't get uh, Americans to sign up. Once again, the uh, point being that uh, the Mexicans are taking the jobs that Americans don't want. Yep. Now Americans don't even want to be in their own military. Mm-hmm. And uh, the point I was making was is um, how interesting it is that our nation has turned into the empire mm-hmm. that we fought our, for our freedom against. Was, uh, was Great Britain... Uh, Taking troops from other countries? Hessians. They, they had the, don't you recall the stories of the German Hessians that they hired? I went to government school. Come on. Okay. Um, they hired uh, the German Hessians to uh, – this is where how Pennsylvania got such a large German population. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys deserted, and I believe that uh, many Germans immigrated here uh, just for America. But, you know, that it, they stocked that, – that's where they ran to when they ran away. 
The idea of signing up foreigners who are seeking U.S. citizenships gaining traction as a way to address a critical need for the Pentagon while fully absorbing some of the roughly one million immigrants that enter the United States legally each year. The proposal to induct more non-citizens, which is still largely on the drawing board, has to clear a number of hurdles. So far, the Pentagon's been quiet about specifics, including who would be eligible to join, where the recruiting stations would be, and what the minimum standards might involve, including English proficiency. In the meantime, the Pentagon and immigration authorities have expanded a program that accelerates citizenship for legal residents who volunteer for the military. I can see um, sort of a negative response coming from a number of the people who are already in the military. I mean, we've certainly talked to people that don't like the idea of draftees. Right, they don't military like the, members. They don't like the idea of fighting alongside people like that. Well, I can imagine that some of the more racist, bigoted individuals who are in the military are going to take a bit of offense to fighting alongside some foreigners. Well, not just that, but um, just people, you know, the military draws from the heartland largely, mm-hmm. and uh, in America, people speak one language. Right. And how hard would it be to work with somebody who just doesn't speak English? And possibly die uh, with that person. Right, because they couldn't speak English. I yeah. mean, you know, because there was a communication gap. That would be terrible. That would be. 800-259-9231. Maybe we should just bring our troops home. That would solve the problem, right? It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything toll-free. Number for you, 800-259-9231. The packet 8 net toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We do ask that you voluntarily support the show, considering that we give you all the website content for free. We would like you to go and buy some stuff at amazon.freetalklive.com. There's 35 categories of products to shop in. Everything from uh, books to office products, DVDs, sporting goods, accessories, you name it. They sell it. Even groceries now at Amazon. .freetalklive.com. In fact, anything that you buy through that link, Free Talk Live gets a percentage of. So you get the stuff you need delivered to your door, in many cases with free Super Saver shipping, and you help Free Talk Live out all at the same time. That's Amazon.freetalklive.com. So the military's still desperate for recruits, Mark, and mm-hmm. now they're looking overseas because, once again, you've got to go to the immigrants when you want to get jobs done in this country. <laughs> well, you and know. The military knows it. We, we want a lot of services. We're a wealthy nation, and somebody has to provide those services at a uh, reasonable rate. And one of the ways to get that reasonable rate is to go to people that are willing to work for less. Right, and people that want to come here um, legally, they, um, they're going to be given the so-called opportunity to join the military to shorten the citizenship process. Uh, I'm not necessarily a fan of this idea. I don't think we should have a citizenship process. I think we should just let people come and go as they please since we're supposed to be a free country. But nonetheless, the story's interesting from the aspect of this is how desperate the military is now. And they're trying to decide on different factors like how much English these people that they bring on board should be able to speak, you know, before they're allowed to go uh, possibly die in the trenches with other Americans. The proposal to induct more citizens is still on the drawing board, though since September 11th of 2001, the number of immigrants in uniform who become U.S. citizens has increased from 750 to 4,600 as of last year, according to statistics. With severe manpower strains because of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and a mandate to expand the overall size of the military, the Pentagon is under pressure to consider a variety of proposals involving foreign recruits. You know, I'm, I'm just thinking, but from the, the combat side, I think you might be able to handle the um, language barrier issue 
by having units of non-English speakers. Possibly. Um, now, obviously, they'd have to interact with medical and um, quartermaster. You'd have to have a translator in each unit or something like that. Well, what I was thinking was that uh, you know you would have a commander who was uh, somehow trans you know could could uh, function as the liaison between. Uh, the command structure and and uh, his unit, but he would speak both languages. That cuts down on the need of the need for translators. But beyond that, I don't know how they would fit into the infrastructure. Like, you know, how do they how do they tell the cook I'd like more peas and less gravy? You know, I I don't I don't know. Mas peas, <laughs> mas peas, por favor. Yeah. But you know, I mean, we're talking about overseas, so that could be any language. True. I suspect we're talking about. Uh, I would. I would be recruiting from uh, Latin American countries. It just seems easier. I think you get the problem you might run into if you have, I guess, different groups, or if you have like the the Mexican group and the American group inside the military. Then you're going to see that the uh, you know the Hispanics are just going to outperform the uh, the lazy white boys. I don't know if that's true, but you'll definitely see some uh, enmity going on because if you want to see hate, take two people that um, two groups of people that are different mm-hmm. and um, put them in close proximity, and then uh, you know put government things in the way of them uh, meshing and getting together. Mm. With severe manpower strains because of Iraq and Afghanistan, they're looking at expanding. Thomas Donnelly says, uh, he's a scholar at the American Enterprise Institute, says it works as a military idea and it works in the context of American immigration. Uh, He says that the military has been stretched to the breaking point. Both President Bush and Robert Gates, the new defense secretary, have acknowledged that the total size of the military must be expanded to help alleviate the strain on ground troops, many of whom have been deployed repeatedly in combat theaters. You know, they don't, I guess they just don't even consider it an option to pull troops from the 700 military bases that we have around the world. You know, hey, we need more troops, so-called, in in Iraq and Afghanistan. Couldn't we just take them out of all of the bases that they're Well, they have to be staffed, right? Apparently they do. I don't know how many troops they have elsewhere. I imagine they've uh, cut them down to skeleton crews, but uh, they do. You know, I'm sure that they think in their mind, "Look, this is our base. We have to staff it. What, what else are they going to do? You know, shutdowns. It, that that just doesn't come into a bureaucrat's no, frame of mind. Um, it comes into our frame of mi- frame of mind because we want to see smaller government in our lifetime. Right. And it seems like the sensible thing to do would be to close all those 700 military bases. In fact. Just pull all the guys out of Iraq and Afghanistan while you're at it. Bring everybody back home to the United States. And if that was the case... And defend our shores. Right. We could actually cut back on the size of the military. Because you don't need a worldwide occupying force to keep America defended. Mm -hmm. You would need a fraction of what we currently have today. But either way, even if you were to keep the military the same exact size, I'd prefer to have them here in the United States than I would prefer to have uh, around the world. And I'd prefer they'd stay on their little military bases. I don't want them coming out into the streets. Well, they can come out into the streets to spend money. You don't want them yeah. to come out with their uh, I don't want them to AK, come out and do uh, M- roadblocks and, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing, which, of course, we've seen some pretty disturbing stories recently that have suggested that might be happening sometime soon. Uh, they've sort of been destroying the protections that uh, that have been uh, built up. I think in the late 1800s, the Posse Comitatus Act has sort of been gutted at this point with the Defense Authorization Act of 2007. So we may actually be seeing military troops in the streets. And as we reported last night, with the blurring of the lines between the police and the military, you really can't even tell the difference anymore in some cases. So They're wearing fatigues and helmets and carrying automatic weapons. They look like the military. Well, there's other military-related news. This one from the blotter at ABC News. And you know what, Mark? I don't even think they're going to need another Gulf of Tonkin event. You know what the Gulf of Tonkin was, right? Right. That was the uh, incident in Vietnam, which was 
faked essentially that got us into the war um, with uh, French Indochina, which was uh, the you know previous to uh, Vietnam. Right, and that was used as an excuse to rile the American people up and get them to support the war effort, which has been done many times in the past. And Ron Paul, I remember you read an article from him recently, he was suggesting that he thought maybe there was going to be another Gulf of Tonkin event, except for Iran. Right. Instead of... Uh, it looks like they're gearing you know? up for um, for a war with Iran, and they would need a reason. Right now, the American people are definitely not for it. In the same way they weren't for a war in Vietnam, they weren't um, they weren't for a war in uh, World War II. They well, didn't want to. So they needed something uh, exciting to get us on board. I wonder if this will be exciting enough considering the the media's more than willingness to go and just parrot whatever the official government line is, without question. According to uh, Brian Ross at ABC News, the most deadly improvised explosive devices being used against U.S. soldiers in Iraq come from Iran. And Iran continues to provide more tactical training, according to explosive experts working with the U.S. military. The Iranian-made devices are known as EFPs, or Explosively Formed Projectiles. Hmm. When exploded, the copper disc center becomes a molten liquid bullet that can penetrate the thickest armor the United States has. Wow. So they're making it sound like, whoa, this is really scary. I mean, these bombs are coming from Iran, and uh, we need to do something about this. Of course, it's ignoring the fact that we've invaded a sovereign country, and we're occupying this country, and inevitably going to encounter resistance wherever the the weapons are being made i don't know if that really matters what matters is we get the heck out of iraq and then we won't be being blown up by efps anymore there aren't any efps here in the united states so I, you know it's just going to get worse because you have the shiite population in iraq that's mixed with the sunni population and then um iran has i believe shiites and then um saudi arabia has the sunnis and so what you're going to have there you're going to have a regional conflict that we've created mm-hmm. um and we're our soldiers are going to be caught in the middle it's not going to be pretty it already isn't pretty no, earlier this month it's going to get uglier cia director michael hayden told the senate select intelligence committee that efps from iran cause more casualties on an incident for incident basis than any other type of improvised explosive device he says quote efps are coming from iran they are being used against our forces they're capable of defeating some of our heaviest armor abc news first reported that EFPs last March when U.S. officials told ABC News they discovered the link to Iran via telltale manufacturing signatures. Certain types of machines stop... Made in Iran. Yeah. <laughs> certain t- uh, types of machines stop welds and material indicating they are built by the same bomb factory. Says, I think the evidence is strong that the Iranian government is making these IEDs and that the Iranian government is sending them across the border and that they're killing U.S. troops once they get here. Do you think they're going to be able to spin this into an excuse to go to war with Iran or are they going to need something bigger? I mean, because already it's got that sort of emotional pull of, hey, the Iranians are killing U.S. troops. We should go in there and put a stop to this. It's kind of got that emotional pull. That's going to work on some people. It's been alleged that we're already doing operations in Iran now. Um, and it makes sense. We were doing them in Laos and Cambodia um, when we were in Vietnam, although we weren't at war with them. We went into China. We weren't at war with them. So it, it makes some sense that uh, we we have done such a thing. I don't know. I'd, I don't think this will do it. This isn't this isn't a, it's not going to get me on board. You think we need to, you think they're going to need something bloody? Something yeah. violent to happen, something that I mean, but it's not as easy these days with with the amount of media that's out there to just simply make a claim that, oh, yeah, we were attacked by a bunch of Iranian guys today and now we're going to go and, you know, blow them up. I don't know. I don't know how easy it is to stage a Gulf of Tonkin. Thank goodness. 
Yeah, 1-800-259-9231. That's the toll-free number, but then again, maybe they'll prove us wrong. And they'll successfully stage another Gulf of Tonkin event, and we'll have ourselves uh, another conflict to be involved in. And then they're going to have to figure out to, how to get more troops, and if they can't get them from overseas, they might have to bring back the draft. Hour two's on the way. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll-free line. Ian here with you. And Mark. That's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. All the features there, we give them away. They're for free. Freetalklive.com. Well, we haven't done an Ed Brown update in uh, a handful of days. Yeah. And so I thought it was uh, an appropriate time to check back in with the situation over at the Ed Brown residence, in case you aren't aware He is a man who has holed himself up in his Plainfield, New Hampshire home for the purposes of trying to keep what freedom he has left. He has been accused by the federal government of not paying taxes, of conspiracy to commit money laundering, a variety of other money tax-related charges. He tried to go to court with his wife. His wife was also facing charges, similar charges. He and his wife, who his wife is a well-known dentist apparently in the Plainfield area. So, you know, friendly couple who's been around and they know a lot of people they were uh, being brought up on these charges they were in this court which ed called a kangaroo court because they would not allow him and his wife to bring up the defense that they wanted to bring up they wouldn't allow them to challenge the law itself in the courtroom and so as a result ed brown decided he was just going to stay home for the rest of the trial considering he wanted to get a fair trial and would still i think today would like a chance at a fair trial but they don't want to give it to him so he went home didn't come back. They found him guilty. Uh, the sentencing hearing has yet to occur. And so uh, the last I heard, there were some helicopters flying around his house. Uh, there really? was a Cessna plane that was that was circling as well, apparently. And the feds claimed no knowledge of anything. They didn't know why they were there. Could be news so, helicopters, I suppose. Could be anything. We're not sure. Nothing has actually gone down officially at this point. But here's the latest from the Valley News, uh, the Upper Valley in New Hampshire. A man skips out on his jury trial, returns home, and commences to denounce the federal government in between friendly phone chats with the U.S. Marshal's office. Those familiar with law enforcement tactics agree, this doesn't happen every day. <laughs> no, I, I love that line. Uh, the case, yeah, they're right. In, in most cases, uh, people do whatever it is the government wants them to. They go to court, they go to jail, they serve their time. This guy said, live free or die. He's going to live free or he's going to die. The case of Ed Brown, the Plainfield man who was convicted of felony tax evasion crimes in Concord on January 18th, so we're coming up on a good two weeks now since he was convicted, has some of the ingredients of a standoff. Brown is armed with a handgun. He's vowed to resist any attempt to arrest him, and he's remained in his house for ten straight days. But other elements of a typical confrontation between federal agents and fugitives are conspicuously missing, most notably perhaps anyone for Brown to stand off against. U.S. Marshal Stephen Monnier says there is no standoff. We're not there. He's been charged with executing Brown's arrest warrant for failure to appear in court. He's there and we're talking to him, Monnier said from his office in Concord, about 70 miles from the home that Brown has said would become a mini Waco. Monnier continued, there is a warrant for his arrest and he's aware of that. He knows that there are consequences when you don't show up in court. Which raises the question, what will those consequences be? 
Monnier has. When are they going to enact those consequences? Right. Monnier has uh, so far declined to discuss his plans in detail, other than to say he doesn't plan to raid the Brown property in the near future, and that he's determined to bring Brown into custody peacefully. Well, it, it sounds he sounds like he's making the smart move. You mean the the cop? Yeah. What playing diplomatic? Absolutely. I mean, the problem with Waco was it wasn't diplomatic. Mm-hmm. They didn't. They weren't smart about it. Um, if they would have, you know, Waco wouldn't have been Waco if they hadn't have, you know, did, camped out there and you know forced to hold those people up. There wouldn't have been the just the tragedy that occurred if they would have just waited for Mr. Koresh to go jogging sure. as he did regularly, just picked him up in the woods. Eh, no problem. So what will those consequences be? Well, Monier has de- declined to discuss his plans in detail. And he says his deputies are regularly talking to Brown on the phone, and the conversations have so far been low-key and amicable. Brown himself confirmed that account, saying he has a good rapport with the marshal's office. But Brown can't stay holed up indefinitely in defiance of the federal court system, according to Raymond Gagnon, the Claremont resident who held Monia's job for eight years under the Clinton administration. They have a court order, and the court order signed by the judge. They've been ordered to react, and they will react, said Gagnon. It may take time. It may take a long time. And their methods are certainly going to be innovative and creative. Right. They'll probably wait until everybody's gotten tired of this whole standoff without the other side standing off thing. Mm-hmm. And they, there's nobody at the Brown residence. And- because right now there are a variety of people that are sort of uh, parading in and out of the Brown residence at their uh, at their convenience. I think some people are being a little as more inconvenient than others. As many as 30 at a time there, and sometimes so as heard. low as four or five. Uh, yep. Uh, friends of ours, uh, personal friends of ours, Lauren Canario, um, she's been out there a number of times. The, the Cannings uh, from here in uh, in Keene have mm-hmm. also headed out there, and they're all going out unarmed. Uh, most of the people that we know, right? You know, the the it would be a lot smarter for them just wait until those people are gone. They probably if they're if they're very smart, they have some cameras trained on the uh, the the residents, and they're just waiting for people to go away. And then you know, oh, looks looks like everybody's gone there. Um, it, Maybe it, they've got access to satellite, like satellite viewing. Very likely. Gagnon said he hadn't dealt with similar situations during his time and as the head of the marshal's office in New Hampshire, but he praised the cool approach Monnier has taken so far, adding that authorities might simply be able to wait Brown out. Mr. Brown will err, says Gagnon. This must be very stressful on him. It must be very trying. Mm. I wouldn't be sleeping nights if I were him, and that will take its toll. I suspect they would just be consistently observant, and the first time they, the marshal's deputies, have an opportunity, they'll grab Brown. Now, from what I, when I spoke with Ed Brown, when I was at his house uh, the other week, he made it pretty clear to me that he had enough food at least for a year. Really? Yeah. He's got, uh, he's got solar panels. He's got a, uh, one of those little windmill things that's really high up in the air. Mm-hmm. So he's got solar and wind power in case uh, they decide to get the power company to cut him off. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got backup food. And he's, he appears to be good to go. And if he's got supporters coming in and out, well, then he can get more food from them. That's true if the supporters continue to come and go. And, and it, you and I both agree that at some point it's going to dwindle. I, I feel like it will, but then again, that this is really sort of a first. I mean, this is the first time in recent history. He only needs history. a few friends to handle – he would only need really one friend to handle shopping. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the food is going to get – it's going to get old eating canned Baked beans over well, a period of time, but you know they can bring him uh, meats and uh, fresh vegetables uh, from the grocery store once a week. Do you think they'll start picking off the friends, like for being accessories? No, I don't think there is an access. I, I don't. No, I don't. A s- aiding and abetting a fugitive. Okay, a fugitive. Where's he fugitiving from? He's, he's sitting right there. Yeah, I see. Yeah, where they could pick from. him off. They could. 
Well, that, that's just what I'm thinking might happen. I, I, it seems to me if they're um, picking off friends that you're going to in, exacerbate the circumstance because everybody's going to say, oh, they're still after him. We better go camp They'll out. They'll double up their efforts. Hmm. But this is why it's so it's such an interesting case, Mark, because it it's never happened like this before. It's this is like really the, a first. It's kind of like the O.J. Uh, slow um, speed chase through uh, the streets of L.A. Except it's not getting as much attention. No. The sentencing hearing for Brown and his wife, Elaine, who continued attending the trial and was alone in court on Thursday when the jury delivered 17 felony convictions against her, is slated for April 24th. Chuck Temple, professor at the Franklin Pierce Law Center and director of the Center's Criminal Practice Clinic, said it would be highly unusual if Ed Brown were not in the room. He says, in 22 years, I've never had a client sentenced in absentia, so I can't imagine how that's going to occur here. The judge and the marshals are going to want to find a way, hopefully a voluntary way, of having Mr. Brown come to his sentencing hearing. And I don't think Ed Brown is going to want to go. It doesn't seem like it. If he didn't go to the court, why would he go to the sentencing? Ed Brown continues to assert that he and his wife did nothing wrong by withholding from the U.S. government about $750,000 in taxes. I love how that's written. They were withholding from the government Mm -hmm. that money. No, they were keeping the money they earned. That's all. What's wrong with that? The Browns avoided paying federal taxes on about $1.9 million of income since 1996. Elaine also failed to collect and pay employment taxes for workers at her former West Lebanon dental practice. Ed Brown is one voice in a movement of activists who argue there is no law requiring citizens to pay income tax. Like Brown, previous beacons of that movement have had their day in court with unhappy results. In many of these cases uh, we've reported on, including the case of uh, Richard Simconin, a businessman from Texas who didn't file income tax returns or collect employment taxes. He was convicted by a jury in 2004 and sentenced to seven years in federal prison, also ordered to pay over $300,000 in restitution. Pennsylvania's Larkin Rose, who also happens to be a Free State Project member, a luminary of the tax protest movement who created a documentary called Theft by Deception that purports to show the fraudulence of the federal income tax, was convicted of failing to file tax returns and sentenced to 15 months in prison in 2005. More on the Ed Brown case on the way, 800-259-9231. And I still think that the tax freedom advocates are approaching this from the wrong angle. And that is they're trying to fight the law with the law. It doesn't work. It hasn't worked. And it's not going to work still in the future. 800-259-9231. The law itself is the problem. And the law is wrong. More on the way. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up whatever you want. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. In here with you. And Mark? That's 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, we give them away, including updates. You get signed up for the updates. We'll clue you in whenever there's something fresh to announce about the show. Updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list for free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And do you have a company that needs to try something new in the uh, the area of collections? Well, SACL CAI does collections and they do it in a whole new way. Sickles employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. Sickles CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com or call 1-800-544-6359. That's 800-544-6359. Do business with businesses that support Free Talk Live. So we're talking about a little problem that the federal government has in its midst right now, and that little problem is one man... By the name of Ed Brown. And as we've uh, been covering his case for the past at least couple of weeks here on the show, he, as you know, if you've been listening, is a man who's holed up in his Plainfield, New Hampshire home, essentially waiting for the federal government to come after him, 
because he's been found guilty uh, by a jury in uh, federal court on tax, so-called tax evasion charges. Personally, I believe he's an innocent man. He's never harmed anybody. He kept the money that he earned. I don't see what's wrong with that. Well, he's guilty of the crime. That the, well, assuming that the law exists, he's guilty of the crime that they're accusing him of. Crime the so-called being, crime. Uh, right. Uh, crime being a legal term. Um, it may not be a moral right. issue. I, I mean, I, I think that there were some moral problems with the law itself. So at this point, uh, the feds are after him, but they're not coming quickly. And the reason why is, well, one in one part because of the Free State Project. I don't think the feds have ever come up against this sort of opposition before. Yes, there was Waco in the 90s and, and Ruby Ridge, and the article we're going to get into, or the article that we're in here from uh, the Valley News points them out. But those were different situations. For instance, Ruby Ridge in 1992, white separatist Randy Weaver faced off with FBI agents and the U.S. Marshals. In one of the most criticized turns of that standoff, an FBI sniper shot Weaver's wife in the head as she stood in the doorway to the Weaver's cabin holding a baby. Mm. I don't know, maybe he confused the baby with a gun or something. Uh, Weaver's brother and a U.S. marshal were also killed as the two sides exchanged gunfire, and Weaver eventually surrendered. Some 80 members of the Branch Davidian sect, a cult led by David Koresh, died in Waco, Texas in 93 after a 51-day siege by agents of the U.S. Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms and the FBI. Many of the Branch Davidians are believed to have died when their compound caught fire. Some members, something members of the sect started the blaze in the mass suicide attempt. Among the dead were women and children. Federal agents were also shot and killed during the standoff. Now, in both of those incidents... You don't really have the same exact situation as you do here with with Ed Brown. Yeah, Ed's armed. Yeah, he doesn't want to go to jail. And yeah, he's willing to shoot anybody that comes after him. So there's the potential for violence for sure. But there's also a, a different group of people involved here. There are friends. There are strangers. Total uh, people that have never met Ed Brown before in their lives who have turned up from around the country at this point. People are still coming in from around the country mm-hmm. uh, to essentially come to the aid and support of this man. And it's not like he's uh, the uh, he's David Koresh leading 80 followers. These are all individuals who've decided on their own to come up and support Ed Brown. It's not right. like they lived with him in the beginning. Well, they support him on based on principle. They don't support yeah. him based on some kind of charismatic... Uh leadership role that he has. And some of them support him more than others. For instance, there are a few people who have gone up there also bearing arms with the intention of of helping Ed defend his property and his freedom if he is attacked by the feds. But there are also people from the Free State Project who have gone up uh, completely without arms. They've just gone up uh, armed with cameras, in my case, or in the case of uh, some others. uh, I know Caleb from here in uh, one of our amplifiers has gone up as a pacifist with the intention of essentially sitting in the doorway if uh, there is, you know, some sort of a a federal raid, Mm -hmm. and in in that forcing the feds to either shoot him or forcibly remove him from the doorway if they want to get into the house and and get to Ed. So there's sort of this variety of, you know, this decentralized uh, situation where Ed Brown, yeah, it's his property, yes, he he can order you off of it if he wants to, but otherwise there are different people there with different interests who are going to uh, do different things when the feds show up. So it's it's a completely different situation, and I don't think the feds quite know what they've what they've gotten into here. I don't think they realize uh, the situation that they're they're in. Back to the article from uh, the Valley News. Both in, in both the uh, Ruby Reg and Waco incidents, federal authorities were faulted for being too aggressive. But there's a reason that the federal law enforcement debacles of the early 90s haven't been repeated on the same scale, says David Kopel, research director at the Independent Institute, a libertarian think tank in Colorado. 
He's also the author of No More Wacos, What's Wrong with Federal Law Enforcement and How to Fix It. Copel said federal agencies learned two important lessons. Keep talking and take your time. One example of a standoff that was recently diffused was the case of the Montana Freeman, who were wanted for bank fraud and threatening a federal judge. The Freeman claimed a Montana sheep ranch, which they called the Just Us Township, as a sovereign territory. For 81 days in 1996, they stayed holed up on the ranch, but in the end, surrendered to federal agents without a fight. Vital to resolving at the uh, vital to resolving the Freeman siege, Copel said, was the patience of authorities in negotiators' trips into the compound for talks. By contrast, one of the ma- uh, contrast one of the major missteps that federal agents made at Waco, Copel said, was their refusal to allow the Branch Davidians' family members, including David Koresh's mother, to get in touch with those on the inside. Mm. Regular contact with friends and family, Copel said, quote, often results in the people going in and talking the guy into coming out. Do you really want to spend the rest of your life in this building? Above all, Copel said, you want to avoid a situation where the guy inside figures everything's hopeless because he can't talk to mom, and he might as well go down to what he sees as some kind of a glorious death. Now, in the case of Ed Brown, he's at this point more than willing to stay in his home for the rest of his life. Uh, he's, I don't know. If, it's either stay in home or stay in prison. Right, because he doesn't want to go to jail for the rest of his life, and mm-hmm. that's what he's facing. He's a man is in his uh, early 60s, so he's probably going to die in there if they send him to prison. Brown's wife, who sa- to whom he says he's attached at the hip, has been ordered by the judge to stay with her son in Worcester, Massachusetts, and not return to the home in Plainfield. Elaine couldn't be really, uh, for reached for comment. Copel of the Independent Institute said that enlisting Brown's wife to talk to him into giving himself up would be idea number one for trained negotiators. Monnier, the U.S. Marshal, says his officers have been talking to Elaine, but declined to say whether they'd asked her to help persuade her husband to turn himself in says, we're going to use whatever means we think we can best be utilized to end this peaceably, says Monnier. Ed Brown says he's still talking to his wife on the phone and that their separation has pained him. He says she's never asked him to give himself up. Mm. It's unclear whether the visitors to the Brown House, mainly media workers and supporters of his cause, will be a force in persuading him to back down. But that's not what those visitors are there to do. The visitors are there to support Ed Brown. They're not there to persuade him to, uh, to go to jail. Nobody who, I don't think anyone who's gone, who's taken the time to actually go to the Ed Brown household, supports him going to jail. They all see him as uh, the first man in America with the courage to stand up against the feds in a tax case. Because every other tax freedom advocate has rolled over and gone to prison. And this is the one man who hasn't done it. And so those people who are going out to his house to support him are out there encouraging him to keep it up. They're not talking to Ed about ways he can get out of this or uh, or ways he can end this peaceful, peaceably. I mean, if he wants to end it peaceably, all he has to do is tell the marshals to come and get him. Right. And he'll be outside with his hands up in the air, no guns or anything like that. That's not how this is going to end. At least I don't predict that. And I've talked to the guy. 800-259-9231 is the toll-free number. What do you think is going to happen in this case? Because all of the factors are completely different. This isn't Waco, and it's not Ruby Ridge. It's a completely new situation with totally different people involved. The Free State Project members are going to be a critical factor. And, in fact, there's another point about the Free State Project that will work in Ed Brown's favor. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free at 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. 
It is Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are completely free, including live streams. A broadband version of the show and a dial-up version awaits you for free. freetalklive.com. Who's the most pro-liberty individual in the United States Congress? Many people would say that's Ron Paul. Register now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, February 23rd through the 25th, 2007. Coming right up here real soon. Meet presidential candidate Congressman Ron Paul and other influential people who support your freedom. Register at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That's freestateproject.org slash libertyforum to register today. We're talking about the heroic Ed Brown. He is currently holed up in his Plainfield, New Hampshire home, waiting to see what happens uh, with the federal government after him because he was found guilty on a variety of so-called tax evasion charges a couple of weeks ago. He decided he didn't want to attend the trial um, after he realized it was a kangaroo court. The judge wasn't going to allow him to present the defense that he wanted to present. So he just said, screw it, and uh, decided to stay home. He's a man in his early 60s, and uh, if he's going to go to jail, then he's probably going to spend the rest of his life in jail on these charges. So why bother? Um, he's, uh, he's essentially the first man to have the courage, in our time at least, to stand up against a uh, oppressive government, to physically say, you try and come and get me, and I'm going to shoot. That's essentially what is going on here. And now he's waiting in his uh, Plainfield, New Hampshire home for something to happen, for some sort of uh, ball to hat to drop, so to speak. And there are a number of supporters who are there waiting with him. Now, I want to touch on two things. That was one of the things I mentioned earlier was that I, I, even though I, I respect where Ed Brown is coming from on his point that, well, just show me the law and I'll pay the taxes. That's essentially what he's saying. Show me the law that requires me to pay the taxes and I'll pay him. You know, it would be very easy if the IRS would just go ahead, whip out the law or rule that requires people to pay taxes, and then this whole movement that says there's no law requiring us to pay taxes would wither and die. Well, that's the question. Would it wither and die, or well, that would particular... they move to another excuse? Because... Well, fine. fine. Then they would have to have another excuse, but at the very least, their legs would be chopped up um, out from underneath them because people would say, well, look. Well, here's the law. There's the law. But they don't show the law. Right. They've never shown the law to anybody who's ever asked for it. They ignore you. If you Go ahead. Send a letter to the IRS. If you're lucky enough to get a response from them, it will be something that claims that, well, what you're saying is frivolous. We don't have to show you anything. Here are the uh, U.S. Supreme Court cases that verify that there is indeed a law. And because the, the courts, the federal courts, have said, oh, yeah, sure, you've got to pay taxes, that's their justification to say that, yeah, there must be a law there somewhere. We just don't have to show it to you. It's case law. So I think that it's a little bit weak because if they were to, for instance, go ahead and write a law that said you had to pay taxes and made it very clear and showed it to everybody, then that would sort of defeat their argument. At this point, it seems like they've got a pretty good argument, but if it were to be defeated in that way, paying taxes would still be wrong, and I would still be against it. Because just because a bunch of men and women got together in a room somewhere and wrote some words down on a piece of paper that said, you as an American must pay taxes, signed so-and-so. You know, just because some guys wrote some stuff down on a piece of paper doesn't make it binding on me, and it, it doesn't make slavery acceptable, which is what taxes are. And as Americans, we should be anti-slavery. We should be against slavery. I thought we learned our lesson about slavery in the 1800s. Apparently not. You know, it, it, it bears repeating. Uh, essentially, if you, if you uh, send somebody to work every day and then you take all their money by force, you make them give you all their money. Mm -hmm. Or else. Or else that person is your slave. You're sending them out to work for you, and, and you're, you're taking their money. Right. Well, if you send a person out to work 
and take half their money, which is how much we play, we as Americans, the average American pays About, yeah. um, in taxes, whether it's property tax or income tax or sales tax or gas tax. All or combined, it's over 50%. Liquor tax and all those other taxes and fees that are um, out there, it's so, somewhere between 40 and 60%. Yep. So let's just say 50. If you take half that person's money, then they're half your slave. Half a slave is still a slave, and that's unacceptable to me. I don't know about you. Well, I'll tell you what. I'd be happy if I was a quarter a slave or a tenth of a slave at this point. Because at this point, being half a slave really irks me that half of the money I make goes to support this big, inefficient bureaucracy that's out there. And the people the people that are against taxes, like yourself, on a, um, a moral basis, would be listened to less if it was such a if the if the taxes were ten percent, yeah, I see what you're saying. I mean that you just wouldn't have the the emotional momentum behind you. And I think one of the reasons why people like Ed Brown take the position of show me the law is because it's more persuasive to people who love laws. Mm-hmm. Like here in America, we've got a serious problem with people who worship the law. We're people a nation say, of laws. Yeah, it's a nation of laws, and you can't disrespect the law, boy. If there wasn't law. law, if there wasn't law, there'd be chaos. Right. People like that who uh, who love the law, they worship the law. I think that's one of the reasons why people like Ed Brown and many of the tax reform advocates attack it from that angle because they have done research. I mean, these people, Ed Brown. People like Ed have done serious personal research into the tax law to make the claims that they're making. Um, so they really do truly believe that there is no law. They've honestly really looked for it, and they haven't found it. But I think that even uh, people who take the there is no law stance also believe that taxes are wrong. It's just that they're taking that stance simply to maybe persuade more people to listen to what they have to say. You know, In that if you're asking the IRS to show you the law and they won't do it, well, what's with that? What's the deal there? What are they trying to hide? Why aren't they just coming right out, having a big press conference and saying, okay, we've got some transparencies here, like, you know, back in elementary school, get the transparencies mm-hmm. and a little projector. Okay, kids, here's the law. Just want to show all you Americans this. It'll make the nightly news, and then everyone will know, but they don't do it. Second aspect is the Free State Project aspect to this. There was no Free State Project in Waco. There was no Free State Project in Ruby Ridge. Uh, now there is a free state project, and Ed Brown happens to be a resident of New Hampshire, the live free or die state, which is where the free state project has chosen uh, to to exist. So what you've got is a, essentially a group of pro-freedom, pro-liberty advocates that have moved into the state, over 150 of them so far. And your suggestion, Mark, is that the Fed's best hope to, to get Ed Brown on a nonviolent basis mm-hmm. is to wait him out, and uh, wait for him to leave the house or wait for the supporters to leave. But I think that as time goes on, I think that you're going to see maybe there's a chance. I don't know. I'm still sort of iffy as to whether or not it will dwindle or will get bigger. But one thing's for sure, more Free State Project members are going to be moving into the state. And that means more people to sympathize with Ed Brown possibly showing up on his property, on his doorstep. Well, I can tell you this, that the uh, the feds um, are just... They don't know what they're dealing with with people the likes of Lauren Canario, no, they don't. Russell Canning, um, and uh, you know Dave. Th- these people are dedicated. They believe yep. in what they're doing. And they and uh, the feds are they have no problem dealing with some armed people. They'll just shoot them. But when you're dealing with uh, these Free State Project members that you just mentioned uh, being on the property without any arms, then that completely changes the situation as well. They're used to going up against armed toughs, mm-hmm. but people with uh, pacifists mm-hmm. uh, are a group of uh, individuals that, I mean, Dave Ridley, for instance, is not a pacifist. He's just choosing to not be armed in this particular uh, event. So, really, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. We'll continue following the story. A few final words from the Valley News. 
is that it's unclear whether the visitors to uh, the Brown House will be a force in persuading him to back down. I say they won't. While many of Brown's supporters say they're unarmed, they are staunch in rejecting federal so-called authority. Many support Brown's contention there's no legal justification for his arrest and point out that he has not sought to hurt anyone. As the standoff, that's not really a standoff, grinds on, the assumption that a harmless fugitive can stay indefinitely outside the umbrella of federal power will be put to the test. Federal authorities' assumptions could also be tested. Copel says that in cases such as Brown's, in which a fugitive from justice says he sincerely believes he's done nothing wrong, bring law enforcement officials into unfamiliar territory. Quote, law enforcement is used to dealing with regular criminals. Some guy robs a bank, not because he's against the banking system, but because he wants money. And then something goes wrong, the guy's inside, he's got some hostages. People with strong ideological motivations like Ed Brown don't always respond in the same way that ordinary criminals do. I would say that's very true. And that's because Ed Brown isn't a criminal. He's never harmed anyone. He's a criminal by law. There's some words on a piece of paper that say he's a criminal, but he's never destroyed anyone's property. Right. He's He's never stolen money. He's an ideologue. Right. He's never harmed anyone personally. He built his business, an extermination business, on making customers happy. So did his wife. She built her dental business on giving people good dental care. These are two regular people that believe in freedom. They're not going to give up, and he's not going to throw down uh, his arms just because uh, some persuasive point on the part of the feds. It's not going to happen like that. More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. We'll keep you up to date. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll free at 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. That's 1-800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll free line for you. You can also join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features, we give them away. We do ask that you voluntarily support the show by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier. And Mark, why would someone choose to do that? So that they can support the show they love. Um, This show's bringing the message of liberty to people every day on... uh, as many as 20 radio stations, three cable stations, and uh, we're growing all the time. And the reason we're doing it is because of the AMP program. It's it's a direct re- – it's really just a, the most effective thing that helps spread the message of freedom and liberty. I mean I've been involved in the, the pro-liberty movement for my adult life pretty much, and I've never really been too impressed with very many national liberty-oriented organizations. We do love Downsize DC, hence we have them on the show but for the most part, Libertarian Party, 35 years, virtually no results. Uh, some of the other organizations are good at... Uh, I agree with them. Ide- ideologically, I think that they're failing somehow. Some of the other organizations, like the Advocates for Self-Government, I like those guys. They have a really good method of reaching out to people. They, they're the ones that created the world's smallest political quiz. Mm-hmm. I like but, that. But no one's ever been really effective at reaching out to the masses, to the public, and essentially converting people over to the pro-liberty viewpoint. At least I don't think no one's ever been as effective as Free Talk Live. And the AMP program stands for Advertise, Market, and Promote. Simple idea. You send us 3 bucks a month. It's a voluntary thing. All the stuff on our website's for free. So 3 bucks a month, you send it in. We turn it around into promoting the show, getting on more radio stations, getting on more people's Internet connections, and thereby spreading the message of freedom and liberty. And if you've listened to the show long enough, you've heard people call in who were former socialists who came across Free Talk Live, and at first they balked. And then as they continued to listen, they realized that the logic was unassailable, and they had to convert. I mean, it's amazing what it has happened. happened. 
It's stunning when it happens, but it does happen, and, and so and we're making a difference. It happens. I, I can only imagine how many times it happens for the amount of emails we get. It doesn't, yeah, doesn't make sense. Yeah, only a percentage will write. I, I can only imagine that that percentage is single digits. I can only imagine that yeah, they are. Yeah, I would agree. So you we're know. making a difference. I mean, when, when someone tells you you're making, you've changed their life or helped them change their life, I mean, that's just incredible. And you can help that happen by becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier, as over 300 of our uh, listeners have done at amp.freetalklive.com. Plus, you get perks. You get a few uh, bonuses. You can learn about those at amp.freetalklive.com. So we've been talking about the Ed Brown case throughout the hour, just kind of giving you the latest on the situation. Ed still holed up in his Plainfield, New Hampshire home, still surrounded by supporters who are coming and going as they please. Obviously, the supporters still have to go to work in many cases. They still have jobs and responsibilities to take care of. He's got sort of uh, some, he's got some close friends, some members of the the U.S. Constitution Rangers that are on hand. Also, a variety of Free State Project members have shown up, and just other uh, tax freedom advocates from around the country. Uh, Bob Schultz from the We the People organization was there the day that I showed up. So even some uh, some luminaries, some pro liberty luminaries from around the country, have uh, attended at the Ed Brown household. And so, of course, the question is here: is when is the federal government going to bring the hammer down on Ed? They want to take this guy and put him in a, in the clink for so-called tax evasion charges. He doesn't want to go anywhere. He believes in live free or die. He's never harmed anyone his, in his entire life. He's more than prepared to go out shooting. I've, I've, he had a 1911 in his belt when I was there. Mm. And so he's ready to rock and roll and defend his liberty. And there are a number of other people there that are going to be willing to stand by him. And a few of them are going to be also there um, unarmed, standing in support of Ed as well. And the question is, when is it, when's the hammer going to drop, and what's going to happen in, in that particular case? And the feds don't realize what they're getting into yet. And I think that they're just starting to experience the free staters. For instance, Dave Ridley, he calls the show from time to time as Dave in New Hampshire. He has uh, run into some trouble recently with the feds. He went into an IRS office, held a sign silently, laid a piece of paper down on one of the IRS agent's desks, Essentially, he was uh, he's a silent protester. He right. doesn't speak. A pamphlet, essentially. Right, so the pamphlet outlines his point. The pamphlet outlines the point he's making. Right, so they charged him with handing out handbills. That's which, correct. You know, handbills are uh, things promoting some commercial uh, venture. Right, you, all he was doing is asking, why are you working for this entity? I mean, why are you doing it's this? It's directly involved in what the people are doing at the IRS office. Right. I, I, to me, that's not a handbill. That's, you know, bringing up an issue, and I don't know if it's the relevant place, but you know, to him it could be. So they've started messing with him. He was fined $125. He did not make any representations as to whether or not he would pay. He sent a private note to the judge essentially saying, you know, if you can give me a constitutional basis for this law, any constitutional basis, I'll pay. He wasn't looking for an argument with the judge. He was looking to give the judge a way out so right. that he could pay, so that he could um, find it morally in his heart to pay. And and the judge didn't reply. They didn't and, even bother. Why? And, should, why should constitution schmonstitution? Right. This crap doesn't matter to us. Pay it because I said so. So now he's been ordered back to court. He's been subpoenaed again to appear for not paying the hundred and twenty-five dollars. That's going to happen in March. So you've got that federal case with one free stater. You've got Russell Canning, who's been arrested by ICE, uh, the Immigration and Customs Enforcement, who for some reason also does a variety of other federal tasks that don't have anything to do with immigration. Somebody has to do it, I guess. They uh, they arrested Russell Canning. So they're, they're already starting to get to know some of the individuals in the movement. They are monitoring NHFree.com, which is uh, the website that I happen to, uh, to own. I don't run the site. It's run by Russell and, and his wife, Kat. So they're, they're paying attention. They're watching. 
they're uh, they're sort of testing the waters here and there with some of the free staters, but I still don't think they've uh, they've come to the understanding of what it is that they're dealing with here. And as the as the Ed Brown situation continues to mature, with more free staters and more liberty lovers and tax freedom advocates showing up from around the country to uh, to back up Ed, mm-hmm. you're going to see that um, essentially help encourage others to come to the state sooner because this is what we've seen when people have the courage to stand up to the government whether it be russell canning or dave ridley or lauren canario who we had on the show after she got out of jail being held in new london now she wasn't standing up to the feds in this in this case it was new london connecticut where she was fighting the eminent domain situation there right a very important uh Supreme Court case last year. She was arrested for sitting on a front porch of one of the homes that had been confiscated or was in the process of being confiscated by the feds. She had permission from the homeowner to be there. She was sitting on the porch reading a book, was arrested, and kept in prison for 90 days until they just sort of decided to release her. And the fact that we covered Lauren's story on this show encouraged a lot of people listening to say, you know what, these people in New Hampshire are awesome. And I would really be honored to be living amongst or aside, uh, alongside them. And I'm going to make extra efforts to get there, to become part of the first 1,000, and to move to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project sooner rather than later. So you're going to see a similar response, I think, with the Ed Brown case. It's going to once again empower and encourage uh, liberty lovers from around the country to get here sooner. We need you now. We need you as soon as possible to stand up against this tyrannical federal government. And then the more people move in here, the more of them are going to start standing up alongside of people who are accused of so-called crimes like Ed, who've never harmed a hair on anybody. You know, they've never harmed anyone. They're going to get more support from more free staters. It's going to encourage more free staters to, uh, to come in. More free staters are going to, when, when they're around others of like mind, they're going to encourage one another uh, to engage in more of the uh, withholding their money from the federal government, and you're going to see that I think you're going to see even more Ed Browns in the future. And then what's the what are the feds going to do? What are the feds going to do when they've got ten fugitives in the state of New Hampshire? All you know, fugitives being the term for people who just don't feel like going to jail for keeping the money they earned. What's going to happen then? It's going to spiral out of control. I don't know. It's interesting, isn't it? It is interesting. Thinking about the uh, the possibilities. And then, of course, you've got the political side of things. I mean, we're just talking about the, the activists that want to take more of a civil disobedience aspect or just essentially defend their freedoms. What about the politics? What about the those who are in the Republican Liberty Caucus, Democratic Freedom Caucus, the Libertarian Party here in the state that are going to be advocating for uh, reductions in the size of government? that are going to be advocating for reductions in taxes, maybe some sort of legal protections. This is something I'd like to see eventually, I mean, from the political guys, is some sort of a law that essentially opts New Hampshireites out of paying federal taxes. Oh, sure, maybe there is an IRS law that requires you pay federal taxes. Well, now we're going to make a local state law that says, you know what, screw the IRS. If you don't want to pay, New Hampshire will protect you. Hmm. Put, the state, uh, put the state police to work for the people for once. Instead of just going out and collecting speeding tickets. Make it so if uh, the U.S. Marshals are coming on to New Hampshire turf, they've got the state police to deal with. Essentially telling them, get out. We don't want you here. So that's are some, those are some pretty radical-sounding political proposals that could be on the table eventually. As more liberty-loving individuals uh, become elected to the free state legislature, which love, is easy to do here. I'd love to see some stuff like that happen. It would be awesome, and it's possible, because the the district sizes are so small in New Hampshire. There's 400-plus representatives in the House alone. 
I mean, you can walk your district in no time flat as a candidate right. and get elected. And that matters. Door knocking matters we in a small it. district like that. We met a 19-year-old kid mm-hmm. who got elected by walking from house to house. Anyone with a significant majority. He beat a 60-year-old man? Yep. It can be done, and it's going to work here in New Hampshire, and we invite you to become a part of it at freestateproject.org. More on the way. Hour number three is coming up. You can take control of the airwaves. Mark, you've got a pretty disturbing story about a woman who went to the police for help in a rape case, and she didn't get it. That's on the way. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231 as we kick off our number three. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231 is the Packet8.net toll-free line for you. And, of course, you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Everything on the site, we give it away. Those other radio talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their website features. We do it for free at freetalklive.com. So, Mark, let's talk about... A story involving a lady who was raped, but not all was as uh, me, uh, not all was what met the eye in this particular case. This is shocking and weird. Okay, just be prepared. And it's from Florida, right? Uh, from Tampa. Okay. <laughs> if um, Fox 13 is where uh, the some of the story comes from, a young woman was walking back to her car after the Gasparilla Parade. That's a big deal and mm-hmm. a big, big party, big drunken fest. Right. Um, People dress up like pirates, and grr. yeah, they drink lots of beer, and their streets are packed. Well, Tampa having been supposedly a haven, you know, the Tampa Bay, a place for pirates to go hide out back when there were. Was it? Thing. Was that why they created That's it? the idea. It's an excuse to party now. I, it, I, I think that it probably was an excuse from the get-go. I mean, I can't imagine how many pirates really frequented Tampa, Tampa? Bay. But, you know, could very well happen. But uh, you know they got they got them out there with eye patches and peg legs right. and hooked hands and the there's pirates, parades and, and parrots floats. And the whole deal. Have mm-hmm. you been to one of those things? I've never been. I've been to the Gasparilla yeah. Parade. Yeah. All right. Fun. So she was at the Gasparilla Parade. It's weird because there's so many people. I don't like to be packed in with that many people. When really? you just talk about tens of thousands of people in one place, right? It begins to weird me out just a little bit. Yeah, is it to hundreds the point you can't move me. around? No, I'm not. I just. I just look and I think, man, there's a lot of people here. That bothers me. Yeah, it, I don't know if it really bothers me as much as I don't like the idea of being in a crowd of people and something bad happening. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy it, opens fire or whatever happens, and then you've got people crushing each other, and you've got a really it's dangerous It's a crowd situation. of standing people that bothers me, by the way. Um, if they're all in, you know, sitting down and doing what they're supposed to be doing in a nice orderly fashion, that doesn't bother me. Hmm. But it's standing people all being around. Uh, I don't like that. All right, so what happened to this lady? Young woman was walking back to her car after the Gasparilla Parade on Saturday when she saw, says a man dragged her behind a building and raped her near oh. the intersection of, excuse me, in the, in, near the intersection of Howard and Swan. That's no good. She managed to get away and called 911. Police took her to the hospital and began a routine rape investigation. When they started checking the victim's background, they discovered she had an arrest warrant out for her. Hmm. It was from an arrest when the woman was a juvenile, and she was accused of not paying restitution. The woman says that she was not aware that there was a warrant out for her, and her attorney says it appears to be a paperwork error. Huh. They were uh, more interested in prosecuting her for something that's a paperwork snafu um, from four years ago. Oh, my. That was juvenile than they are interested in working on um, that than finding an an experienced rapist, says the victim's mother. 
Still, the woman was put in handcuffs and taken to jail, and she was not allowed bond. And Not allowed bond. Well, I guess it's because she, um, you know, is, I guess, a VOP to some extent. Well, yeah, you know, I see where the police are coming from on this and that. Oh, uh, one in the hands worth uh, two in the bush, right? I don't. Well, they got a, they got a con. They they have a criminal here in their hands. This right. person is has an arrest warrant out for them. Yeah, they're easy to take in. Right, and you know they didn't know it was a paperwork snafu. No, for all they knew, this was a deadbeat who wasn't paying her restitution to the person that she stole from when she was a teenager. And I support restitution. So to that extent, girl needs to make sure if she hasn't been paying her restitution, she she certainly should consider it at this point. Uh, but that wasn't the extent of the story. No, it there gets was, far worse. Um, she was put in handcuffs and she was taken to jail. She was not allowed bond. And the medical staff at the jail refused to give her the morning after pill, even though it had been prescribed to her by the hospital. Whoa. The medical supervisor would not allow her to take the pill because... She said it was against her supervisor's religion. Oh, jeez. So here we have, we have a medical supervisor imposing her beliefs on a rape victim, claimed the rape um, victim's attorney, uh, Ms. Moore. Uh, maybe that's a Ms. Verlin. Anyway. Okay. As a uh, human being, how someone could be so violated by this monster and the system comes along and rapes her again psychologically yeah. and emotionally, this is outrageous and unconscionable. It, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, it is. That's pretty sick. At this point, um, we're very concerned about the welfare of this Young woman, the Tampa police spokesperson said. Um, There's a lot of unanswered questions about exactly how this unfolded, and we're going to get to the bottom of it. Yeah, they're going to (laughs) investigate. Of course. McElroy says that um, there is a policy in place where anyone, that's the uh, police spokesperson, says where anyone is suspected of a misdemeanor is not taken to jail if they're the victim of a sex crime. So... Supposedly, this shouldn't have happened in the first place. Hmm. She says it's nearly impossible to draw up a policy that addresses every situation. This may be a case where the department policy she should be reexamined. The system um, as a whole that is so broken, it needs to be completely fixed. So broken, so broken that something like this could happen. Something like this should never have happened, said the victim's mother, somewhat incoherently. The victim did not manage to find, um, to, did manage to finally bond out of the jail Monday afternoon, and she's too emotionally distraught to speak with the media, and I imagine she is. Mm-hmm. And, um, she, of course, Fox 13 didn't uh, identify the victim. Hmm. So, so that's it. Yeah. I mean, it's really, the, the hospital prescribed the morning after pill, and the supervisor here in this um, coercive organization exercised her freedom of religion to not give that pill. Do you understand how messed up that is? Yeah, that's really screwy. You'd think that your job is to administer the pharmaceuticals that the doctors prescribe, how it is you can allow. I mean, I understand if you're running your own pharmacy. Pharmacy, right. But, but here, you're, that's not the situation. These coercion, people are captives. Right. Coercion has been um, introduced. And once coercion's introduced, I'm sorry, if you're part of that coercive mechanism, your rights um, are they're, they're irrelevant as far as I'm concerned. Right. You've got a job to do. Right. So do that job. Amazing story. As we go to the email I, box, 1-800-259-9231 if you've got comments. We go to the email box and to an email from Steve. He says, Dear Free Talk Live, my name is Steve. I'm 20 and I've lived most of my life in Brooklyn, New York. Sorry, Steve. I've been listening to your show for at least a year now. A lot of the things you talk about really resonate with me, and I'd like to consider myself a principled libertarian, or at least on the path to becoming, uh, to learning to be one. I do plan to move to New Hampshire once I finish college or otherwise obtain the means to go. When it comes to New Hampshire, I've noticed you don't often talk in detail about actual creation of wealth, products, and knowledge in New Hampshire. 
one of the most uh, one of the things I respect most about the show is that you did actually go there and are creating your own enterprise out there, building something important. I focus on that because I've put myself in the media field since I was 17. It's become my calling, and I'm intensely learning how to mold every form of media I can. Photography, video, audio, web, and my computer geek background doesn't hurt either. More importantly, I've learned that information, media, communications have been the driving force behind this past century, which has been an unprecedented transition for mankind as a whole. I think a free, decentralized, tightly networked media is absolutely crucial to have in the free state, and that it will become a skeleton for what you're creating there. The face of all media today is changing. It's clear now that when it comes to mass communications, the people listening want to be heard, and it's crucial that regardless of the mass of the communications, that they become a dialogue and not a monologue. When you have that disconnect where the people themselves are only on the receiving end, news slowly becomes propaganda, and entertainment becomes a subtle lobotomy. This is why Free Talk Live is successful, because you embrace the future, and you embrace that people truly want to be heard and inspire them to strive for the same. I can't say I disagree so far, Steve. Uh, Free Talk Live, he says, is definitely one of the major inspirations in my life, along with Penn & Teller's BS, which is an excellent television show. And you recommend it highly, and I've seen it a few times and really do enjoy it. You're a shining example that you can be real and still be heard that the big, fat corporate media institutions and government are not at all invincible, that they just need to be handled with a bit of intelligence and tact. I hope to join you all soon from Steve. Thanks, and let the freedom ring, he says. Mm, nice. And I think he brings up some interesting points um, that, you know, that essentially that a, a tightly, as he puts it, a decentralized, free, and tightly networked media is crucial to have in the free state. And I think that's what we're seeing already being formed if not around New Hampshire, definitely here in the Keene area where we're doing the show from, how many other areas of this country can claim to have not only libertarian radio shows, more than one. There's Free Talk Live that originates here, and of course we're all across the country. There's also a local guy, Eric Scott, who we've had uh, guest hosting with us mm-hmm. one night. I'd l- I'm hoping we can have him back at some point. Well, he's, he's got a really busy schedule. And, uh, so, but he's on the air three hours a day right here in Keene, live on the radio. We've got, so, two radio shows, at least. Mm-hmm. Then you've got uh, the Keene Free Press, run by two free staters, Russell and, and Kat Canning. That's a newspaper competing with the major paper in town. And people talk to me about it all the time. Yep. And then there's uh, Libertarian Television. There sure the, is. There's uh, the public access channel around here, and there's a number of free staters that are creating content and taking Internet content as well, stuff like the Philosophy of Liberty, other Internet uh, pro-freedom shows, and putting them on television. How many other places have that? Really, is it out there? Let me know. More on the way. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. You take control of the airwaves. Bring up any. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free number, 800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. That's 1-800-259-9231. The Packet8.net toll-free line for you. You can join us on our website. At freetalklive.com, the bulletin board system there, over 180,000 posts await you, and lots to talk about, lots of people to interact with, and it's all uh, for free, and it's a lot of fun as well. bbs.freetalklive.com gets you to it. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. Get registered now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, February 23rd through the 25th. Meet libertarian superstars like John Stossel, Michael Badnarik, and many more. The most influential libertarians in America will be there. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum for more information and to get registered. That's freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. The hotel rooms are running dry. I'm sure there are other hotels in the area, so if you're too late, you can always um, get a room there. But 
you're going to want to be in the same hotel as the convention. It's just more convenient that way. That's where all the action is. That's where people are hanging out, um, networking, meeting one another. Uh, people will decide to go places from the hotel. They'll return to the hotel. It's going to be the center of activity. So you're going to want to be registered uh, sooner rather than later at freestateproject.org. As we jump back into uh, the email box, this one from Strawberry Fart St. Johnson. Emails in about the Bohemian Grove. Mm. We've had people call the show about the Bohemian Grove a few times in the past, and we sort of slough it off. I mean, it's just another... To me, it's just in there with a pack of conspiracy theories that really don't have any real relevance on the world. The conspiracy theory, in short for you, is uh, that all of the leaders of the world have... Uh, g- they gather together at the Bohemian Grove every summer for a party. A big and, little boy raping party or something. Well, there's allegations. And then there's this uh, mysterious ceremony called the cremation of care where they uh, sacrifice some goat to Jesus or kill a baby or something like that. And there's all kinds of allegations. And the suggestion is that the, you know the powerful leaders of the world get together to plot how they're going to continue to take over the world and destroy mankind or whatever. And so, you know, it sounds really dramatic. It sounds really exciting and interesting and intriguing. And, I mean, if it were true, it would certainly be, oh, well, amazing, right? Like, you know, all these world leaders getting together in the, at the same camp to, to plot the destruction of freedoms. I mean, you know, it's persuasive. It, 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 it seems amazing to me because of, of its unlikelihood. Yeah, I, I don't really personally feel like it's likely, but even if it is, it doesn't seem to have any relevance on what we're doing. I mean, we're going to fight for freedom regardless of whether or not they're meeting in the forest somewhere in California. Yeah, in the idea that the uh, the richest, most powerful individuals in the world that have clawed their way to the top would get together and be friendly and then accept their um th- their their lot their position in this group you know um and and they wouldn't be clawing and fighting without um, attacking each other right i just it just advance. doesn't make any sense to me well now there's going to be a meeting in a forest uh, here in new hampshire it's going to be called porkfest 2007 mm-hmm. and i'm sure we'll be talking about that as uh, time goes on from Strawberry Farts and Johnson, he says, I don't know if you've watched it, but I saw Alex Jones's Bohemian Grove video. It's pretty dull. Bohemian Grove is nothing but a resort in the woods for uh, rich people. As he puts it, the most interesting part of Alex's video is how he got in. He just snuck through the woods until he wound up in the parking lot. Then he told the security guards who periodically questioned him that he was friends of somebody. I think he used a nickname of the president. I don't remember. But then they bought it, I guess, because he was allowed to stay. He walked around with a hidden camera, and from what I could see, there were just a bunch of older men with beer paunches and khaki shorts and polo shirts and comfortable shoes and baseball cups and sunglasses walking around drinking beer from plastic cups and shooting the S with other men who looked exactly the same way. Frightening. Some had their families with them. go to Florida. Uh, these were places to eat, and or there were places to eat and recreate and just normal stuff. It looked nice. Most of the interior and exterior decor had a rough wooden look to it. The designers wanted it to feel earthy and natural, real back to nature. After all, you are in the middle of nowhere at some earthy camp. Which brings me to the ceremony, he says. Yes, there is a ceremony. It also isn't very interesting. It isn't Christian. I would guess that most of the people there would call themselves Christian. It looked like a fairly conservative lot. The ceremony's a goofy tradition that has its roots in paganism. And, of course, Christmas has its roots in pe- paganism as well. That's, that's true. 
And by that, I mean the main speaker, that is the narrator, isn't talking about God. He's talking about nature. It's out with the old, in with the new kind of stuff. There's a large owl-shaped rock that they perform this ritual in front of. It's not scary. There's a mock sacrifice. The video is shaky and dark. I think I remember somebody being sent down the stream in a boat. Anyway, the sacrifice isn't of particular of a particular person. I think it's of a metaphor for something they call dull care. It's all symbolic and rather boring. And then there are a few fireworks to wake everybody up. And everyone claps and goes back to drinking and talking about dumb crap. It's all just a novel bit of entertainment to help politicians and the like relax and take their minds off being fascists for a while. It's theater that people like Alex Jones want to turn into something important. But it isn't. I applaud Alex Jones for risking his safety by sneaking into this place to be able to show people what goes on, but instead of proving that the ritual's a blood-soaked, naked, satanic orgy, he approves that it's really just fat, rich, good old boys and their families enjoying a slightly odd play. It's absolute stupidity for these Alex Jones aficionados to focus on so much of these kinds of things when the government does so much actual evil to us every day. See, that's the thing with the conspiracy theorists. They're bent on proving to the world that these people are satanic, worshipping, evildoers. When, in fact, we already know they're evildoers. Does it really matter that they worship Satan? Does it matter? It would be bad. They're doing bad things to the world. They're taking people's money at gunpoint. They're forcing regulations on businesses and and, uh, individuals. They're harming others. They're threatening Ed Brown with uh, jail or death. I mean, there's a variety of terrible, evil things these people do as part of their jobs. That's government on its own is evil. It doesn't matter if the people who are running it go and uh, have blood sacrifices. I see what you're saying, that it, it, it distracts from the real issue. Yes. And, and I would say that's true. It turns it into dramatics as opposed to ser- uh, a serious, more serious issue. But issues like, uh, says uh, Johnson, he says, uh, but issues like taxation and drug prohibition and school indoctrination and eminent domain and welfare just don't have the allure of a blood-soaked, naked, satanic orgy. So the Jonesians can't be bothered to consider them when deciding how to best dislike government. (laughs) The Jonesians simply don't care about freedom. And and, and I don't know. I, I don't personally know Alex Jones. I've had the opportunity to trade a couple emails with him. He seems to be a good guy. Mm-hmm. I get the feeling he's a pro-freedom guy. It's mm-hmm. just not the gist of his show. It's not what he personally does to to make a living in radio. Well, and you know, he, he if he's filling a niche, I think that's great. Yeah, and he's getting rich on it too. You know, we've defended him here on this on this air more than once, and I don't sure. feel like we're attacking him. I'm not. I'm attacking just the I I well to an extent. I mean, we're attacking the the misdirection. Of individuals, they're they're directing people to the wrong factors about government. They're directing them to personal shortfalls of individual politicians. If it's true that some politicians uh, love little boys and are Satanists, you know that's bad and everything. But what's worse is what they do in office. What's worse is the policies that they create, the laws they create and force on others. That's what we focus on here on Free Talk Live. It's real. It's tangible. It's concrete. It's in the news. It's undeniable. Whereas speculation about a mysterious, uh, you know, a mysterious park in the middle of California and what goes on there is just a waste of time. As uh, S.F. Johnson puts it, they don't care about freedom. They care about sensationalism and nothing more. 800-259-9231. You can take control of the airwaves and bring up whatever's on your mind. Are we wrong about this? Does it matter what religion the politicians are? 
I don't think so. It's Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Toll-free number for you, 800-259-9231. What's on your mind? You tell us. It is your show. You take control. Ian here with you. And Mark. 800-259-9231. The packet 8.net toll-free line for you. You can also join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We've got a listener map with lots of people, hundreds, uh, over a thousand of them from around the world, who've added themselves to our Free Talk Live listener map. And you can go and surf around the world, see who is a listener to the show, or add yourself to the map at map.freetalklive.com. That's map. FreeTalkLive.com. What do Adam Smith, Karl Marx, and John Maynard Keynes have in common? Well, they're subjects of laissez-faire books, January Lysander Spooner Award winner. In this new book, Mark Skousen turns his eye on the three most prominent figures in economics. Check out The Big Three in Economics and other books and videos on liberty at LFB.com. That's laissez-faire books, LFB. B.com. As we go to the phones, to the fun, Amplifier Line and Coffee in Illinois. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Coffee. Hello. Hey, what's on your I, mind? Well, I wanted to tap your brain about something, but first I wanted to say about Alex Jones. I listened to his program. The problem I have with him is the sky is falling not once, not twice, but every single time. What do you mean? Well, like you know, protesters being CIA, for example. That was the most recent thing. It seems like everything is a big scandal, and there's, there's some... Uh, Sinister plot behind everything, right. which there may, there may well be, but he does go for the sensational, that's for sure. Hey, well, And his listeners eat it up, so, I mean, can you oh, blame yeah. him? They're the ones buying the videos. That's exactly right. And yeah. there are, He's doing pretty well. I, I well, think he makes 300000 a year at least off of video sales alone. Well, there's a, there's a grain of truth in everything, and his videos are compelling. You know, there's truth in them. But, that's true. Uh, he says he says things are worse than he says, and <laughs> they may well be. I don't know. There's there's the a there's is, a grain of truth, and then there's a whole lot of speculation. Right, right. The other thing is, I remember there was uh, I, I saw a picture of Bohemian Grove at one point, and if I remember right, there's some guy that dresses up as a great big owl. Would that not be the defining moment of your life for an adult man to dress up like <laughs> a great big owl? I'm asking. It's certainly unusual. There's something to look back on right there. What I wanted to talk about is I came across something in my local newspaper, and, I'm, and they, the newspaper article said it was real common amongst the states, and I had never heard of it. I want to know if you've heard of it. Because I live in Illinois, and supposedly since 1995, if you drive across the border to Wisconsin, mm-hmm. where the taxes are one and a, I think it's one and a half or one and a quarter percent cheaper, if you buy something in Wisconsin and bring it back to Illinois, you're supposedly owe the Illinois Department of Revenue that one and a half or one and a quarter percent. Really? I think that's true in most states. Is that right? Are you serious? I've heard things like that before. But does anyone ever enforce it? it? How could they? Well, you could stop people coming back from, uh, you could stop people coming back like at the Massachusetts, uh, New Hampshire border. Wouldn't generate enough money. True. Apparently one furniture store in Illinois ratted out a furniture store in Wisconsin and was stealing business from them. So now, get this now, the Illinois Department of Revenue is doing an audit on this Wisconsin furniture store. How can they do that? Well, that's what I'm asking. Some sort of reciprocal agreement between states? I don't think so. I've never read it. Wow. With all the codified codified statutes, who knows? I can't... Man, I I just hear lousy story out of... uh, of, uh, Lousy story after lousy story coming out of the state of Illinois. It just seems like a miserable place to live. Well, if the story was right that it's true in a lot of states, I mean... (laughs) 
what better reason to stop paying taxes for crying out loud? I totally agree. I mean, if I were uh, that company, I would laugh at the state of Illinois. I'd laugh at them and say, what do you, th- what do you think you're doing? I personally don't think Illinois has got any, uh, any muscle in the state of Wisconsin or vice think. versa. No, I mean, why have a state sales tax if it's really a national sales tax just levied by each state? Yeah, that's nuts. So Now, I know, right, Coffee, you're, you're actually going to get out of uh, the state of Illinois sometime soon, right? Yeah, I'm going to summer. Excellent. So you're going to come up yeah. to the Liberty Forum, have a little taste of uh, New Hampshire, maybe drive around the state, figure out where you want to end up, and then uh, move during the summertime. Yeah, I planned on three days. I think I'm going to stay like five or six, so I've got some drive time, too. I want to hit every day of the Liberty Forum. So. Nice. Good. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be exciting, man. I, I'm glad you made that choice. I think you, I don't think you're going to regret it. No, I definitely won't. So we're looking forward to seeing you here in uh, late February. Anything else on your mind tonight? Uh, go ahead, Brown. Thanks, Coffee. <laughs> Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. There's an example of another Ed Brown supporter who's going to be moving into the state this year. It's true. And there's going to be more like him. And I know Coffee is uh, one of those guys who I think he doesn't pay um, Social Security taxes I believe that's or income true too. taxes. Uh, I believe he's one of those uh, guys that lives without a Social Security number or, or did for a long time. I don't know if he's picked it up again or what his current status is, but interesting guy. And what a sick story out of uh, out of Illinois. I mean, gun laws out the wazoo, trying to foist their laws on other states. Just get, ugh. I think I think that it would be very difficult for um, one state to go into another state and then um, you know take one of their businesses to task. You'd think. Yeah, I, I mean I, they're not violating the law. People are uh, buying furniture from. Them. I guess if they're delivering the furniture across state lines, perhaps. You think? Yeah, maybe. Then it'd be a federal issue, right? Uh, I guess. Interstate might. commerce. I, it, it might. One eight hundred. So then all Illinois residents have to pick it up. You know, there you go. Do hmm. do it yourself. Take your own responsibility for paying that extra one and a half percent to the state of Illinois. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one is the toll free number for you from Cato in Tennessee. He's got a solution for genocide in Darfur. While the rest of the world wrings its hands, or at best declares the situation in the Darfur region of the Sudan uh, of Sudan genocide. The killing continues. Human rights groups are pressuring the world community, including the United States, to intervene, but the killing goes on. Unfortunately, Darfur contains nothing but sand and a lot of dark-skinned people, so the governments of the world don't have any reason to care about right. people there. In the United States, the debate's not about whether it's moral to force one person to die to protect another, but about if we should send our boys in there when we don't have any interests, whatever that means. The latest estimates are over 400,000 dead and 2 million Crazy. displaced in Darfur. Yet the only help that the victims have received is 7,000 poorly equipped troops from the African Union. The UN hasn't done anything, which is probably a good thing based on UN's interventions in Bosnia and Rwanda. Yeah, that wasn't good for uh, at all. Cato says, I offer a free market solution to the situation in Darfur. The solution might not stop the problem, but it would at least give the victims the ability to defend themselves, something they don't currently have because of the U.N. and individual nations' policies. I propose arming the victims. If a group such as the Jews for Preservation of Firearms, one of whose basic beliefs is that an armed populace makes genocide really difficult, were to raise just $10 million from private individuals, and that's well within reach. Mm-hmm. $10 million? I mean, it was $300 million was what poured into the uh, the nation of Thailand after... Uh, the people of Thailand after the tsunami, 10 million is the drop in the bucket. It could buy 10,000 AK-47s for about $4.5 million. 
Probably cheaper, since the price is based on the general retail price of a used semi-auto AK in the U.S. They're cheaper in other parts of the world, available in, I think you can get them for like 60 to 150 bucks some, uh, in other parts if of the world. If you buy them in bulk, you're certainly, you'll certainly save some money. Right, and if you buy them in bulk from the manufacturer, you're going to get a good deal. A thousand rounds for each rifle would cost about a million dollars at about 20 cents per round. Once again, this price would probably be cheaper if ordered in bulk. The remaining $4.5 million could go towards transportation and bribery costs. Some people would think the plan is insane and immoral. They would say that it would only escalate the violence. It certainly sounds like it could. <laughs> A free marketeer's retort would be, what's more immoral? To wait around for the government to do something while people continue to die or try to actually do something to help the people that are being raped and butchered? What's your answer? Which one's more immoral? To sit around and watch as people are slaughtered or to actually get involved and, and give them some arms so they can defend themselves? I'll tell you, if I was over there and I was one of those people, I would certainly want an arm, you know, some kind of weapon. 1-800-259-9231, if you can answer that. As uh, Cato puts it, when people are completely defenseless and being massacred, how much more can the violence escalate? Speaking for myself, I'd rather die fighting on my feet than begging on my knees. Unfortunately, in this free market, if this free market plan were implemented today, anyone who participated, as in people who were giving the money to uh, the organization collecting it, would be considered an illicit international arms dealer and a criminal. Yeah, I guess they would. In fact, the U.N. considers all non-state sales of all firearms to be illicit. The U.N.'s goal is government monopoly of all arms, even mm. small arms such as semi-automatic rifles. Mm. To this end, the Janjaweed militia, the perpetrators of the genocide, are backed by the Sudanese government and receive their weapons from it. And I so don't it's believe, okay. Yeah, I don't believe in the U.N.'s eyes, yeah. I don't believe that we should send our military to help the people of Darfur, but I would give money to those poor folks so they could try to defend themselves. Does that make me a criminal? 800-259-9231. Does it? I don't think so. More on the way, you take control of the airwaves. Even in these remaining moments, it is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live, and it's your show. You can bring up anything, even in these remaining moments, at 800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can also join us on our website, freetalklive.com. And all of the features you'll find on the site are totally free, so do enjoy those. They're on us, freetalklive.com. We do ask that you voluntarily support the show by buying some stuff at our store. Free Talk Live t-shirts, Free Talk Live hats, the free marketeer flag, Free bumper stickers if you go to store.freetalklive.com. There's also DVD classic archive collections as well at, uh, once again, store.freetalklive.com. Great way to get some high-quality Free Talk Live swag and support the show and look cool as well. I I think they look pretty sharp, the uh, Free Talk Live products. I would concur. I don't mind wearing them at all. In fact, I wear that uh, Free Talk Live beanie quite often. It keeps me nice and cozy. Uh, all right, 800-259-9231. Talking about an email that came in from uh, Cato in Tennessee. As he's pointing out, the situation in Darfur, the Darfur region of the Sudan, is pretty dismal. People being uh, slaughtered, and they've got no way of defending themselves. He points out that a free market solution would be for people to voluntarily contribute to some sort of a fund. And in that case, uh, the fund would then go towards buying some AK-47s and some ammo for the individuals who are being slaughtered and delivering it to them. As he points out, however, the U.N. considers that sort of behavior, that is, individuals doing arms deals, a serious problem. Right. And the U.N. only wants governments to be doing arms deals. For some reason, they're more trustworthy. Some, somehow more legitimate. 
Uh, well, according to Cato, he says, I don't believe we should send our military to help the people of Darfur, but I, but I would give money so those poor folks could try to defend themselves. Does that make me a criminal? I say no. Uh, the UN and the American government believe it does, though. Thus, governments, bodies which have no interest in helping the people of Darfur, have made it impossible for those who do care mm-hmm. to actually help those people. So the hand-wringing will continue, the raping and killing will continue, and the UN and governments of the world will not only help the people of Darfur, but they'll prevent anyone else from helping them, too. How criminal is that? From Cato. 800-259-9231. Let's go to the phones, to the fun Bill in Virginia. You're on Free Talk Live on the Amplifier Line. Hello, Bill. Hey, how's it going? Good. What's on your mind? Uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm listening to your conversation about Darfur, mm-hmm. and I just got done uh, watching a movie called Escape from Sobibor. Where? Uh, which is, is that with Sobibor. Kurt Russell? Uh, no, that doesn't have Kurt Russell in it. <laughs> um, it's basically about an uh, Eastern Polish uh, Nazi death camp, mm-hmm. uh, one of the most secret, which is probably why most people have never heard of it. And they had over 600 people who were in prison there, and they staged an escape, and about 300 finally did escape because they stood up and fought. Hmm. And it just sort of kind of reminded me that probably, you know, the, the biggest murderer on this planet is governments. Yep. And not only do the governments murder, but they uh, tell other people to commit murder. They make other people watch as other people die, and they prevent anyone from helping them. And so, you know, if it's going to make us criminals in order to help, you know, give people arms and allow them to defend themselves, because it's not an American right that's granted to us by a Second Amendment, it's a universal human right to self-defense, which exists simply because we exist. Right. If that makes us criminals... I say we go for it. I'm all about, you know, becoming an international illicit arms dealer if that's what it takes to protect people. Well said, Bill. I don't um, know what else to add to that. That's uh, I agree completely. You got to do what's I, I right. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, you know, there's the Gulag Ar- Archipelago uh, written by Alexander Solzhenitsyn, mm-hmm. uh, and he's got uh, a great quote that a lot of people use from that about, you know, how if we only met them in the stairwells and fought yes. you know, at the very beginning when they started to, you know come after people in the night, it would have ended right there because, you know, the people who do the killing and the oppression would never have the guts to stand up to all of us who outnumber them and he was talking to one. He was talking about the Russian secret police, right? Yes, he was. But that also applies um, equally to the German SS and any other situation where you've got government thugs coming around and rounding people up and arresting people, uh, demanding compliance and that sort of thing, if only... As he points out, people had actually fought back in the beginning. They would have bound. Uh, they would have backed right off. Does it? Does yes, it apply to the FBI? Correct. Does it? Does it apply to the FBI and they're uh, they're apparently tracking the internet? I just saw an article today. They're doing. Uh, they're spying on people on the internet, finding out what average innocent Americans are doing. Yes, which they have absolutely no business doing. Yep. And we all know how you know the FBI can be. You know, with Ruby Ridge and. I wish Waco I knew how to meet him in the stairwell on this. Well, now, now there is one man who is going to meet them in the stairwell, and that's Ed Brown. And Bill, oh, I bet he will. Yeah, I was going to say, have you been following the Ed Brown case uh, here on Free Talk Live? Uh, and if so, what do you think? Only very generally, um, you know, but I'm probably going to be taking a much more keener interest in it. 
Well, he is that man. He is the the American who has decided, no, I'm not going to uh, put up with these crappy court trials, this this so-called justice system. Uh, it's a kangaroo court. I'm gonna ha- I'm going to stay in my house. I'm going to stay as free as possible. You come after me, and I am going to shoot. How does that? How do you feel about that? I have the greatest respect in the world for that man. Uh, the more and more I talk to people. Uh, the more and more I find that they are coming to realize that there is absolutely no law that requires the average American to pay an income tax in order to fund the FBI or the CIA or death camps or, you know, uh, militarized police forces or any of this other stuff that we don't want to be involved with. Right. And I think it's fantastic that people like him are really standing up and putting it on the line. Absolutely. Because that's going to attract a lot of attention and people are going to realize where is the law? You know, if people are willing to pay taxes, if they just show us the law, it should be a very simple thing. It should be so trivial. Why haven't they done it for the decades that people have been asking? Great question. Where's the law? People are inevitably going to ask that question, and then if uh, the feds um, create a violent situation out at the Ed Brown household, they're once again going to see another instance. And the government doesn't want this. They figured out after Waco and Ruby Ridge that their uh, legitimacy was damaged somewhat by those events. They don't well, want sure. this what to are you be violent. Do? Hunt down American citizens and kill them because of what? Money? That's what they're. That's what they would. That's what they would do if it weren't for the internet and the Free State Project and other uh, liberty-oriented people gathering around Ed Brown. He would have been hunted down and he would be dead at this point, and it would have gotten very little coverage. But they know that's not a. That's not the result they want. They'd love to have Ed Brown turn himself over, but I don't get the feeling that he's going to. And so it's going to bring more people to the question of, is there a law? More people are going to research that. More people are going to withhold their taxes. But only a certain select few are going to have the courage that Ed Brown does. By example, I mean, by the the fact that he's the only guy in recent times to actually meet them at the doorway. He's the only one who's actually willing to do that. And I think this is a major, I, I hope it's going to be a turning point here in the United States for freedom. So do I. Um, and I'm really interested in seeing how, you know, this guy plays it out. Um, because, you know, there are going to be people who, who say that, you know, he's a fool and he's going to die for nothing and that he should live to fight another day. And, but he won't. He'll know, be in jail and he'll die there. So I think right. he's doing I mean, the right you know, thing. As, as, as far as I know, you know, once they, you know, put you under the government microscope, you know, you're done for. They're going to get you one way or another. Bill, thanks for um, the call. We appreciate hearing from you, as always, sir. 800 259 to the email box. Mark, you look contemplative. Did you have a comment? I'm just thinking about uh, Ed Brown, and, uh, you know, I, I have to say that I feel like he's doing the right thing. I just wouldn't, you know. Sure, I, it most people would It wouldn't be me. Most people aren't, and most people haven't. He's the first man in the history that I can remember in, in the United States who's done this. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine if the Japanese in, the, uh, in World War II had... Uh, had refused to go along with their captors. I can only imagine. It wouldn't have, I mean, it would have... Uh, you mean the Japanese-Americans yeah, that Japanese were put in Americans. internment camps. Right. And so now you've got the very first guy who's just saying no to this evil federal government that we have. And hopefully others will, uh, will also be encouraged to uh, stand by him and do similar things. And then what's the government going to do? They're either going to... They have two choices. Either they back down and leave Ed Brown alone and leave other people who are as courageous as Ed alone. Or they have to show their violent side. It's not, it can't go any other way. And so he's forcing them into that corner. DMV story, quickly, from, uh, from not sure who this is. 
He says, got to tell you, listening to an archive about the uh, traffic ticket, I can tell go you a couple better. Years ago, the state of South Carolina required vehicle safety inspections and a windshield decal certifying the car is safe. Well, my decal expired around the 15th of the month. Following its expiration, I was stopped and issued a ticket. So far, so good. The fine was $8. I mailed in the amount with the ticket. Apparently, it never got there. Three years later, I was stopped at a checkpoint and discovered my license had been suspended at some point without any notification whatever due to non-payment of the $8 ticket, which he did pay and just didn't make it. Would that have ended, would that it had ended there, but no. The Highway Patrol trooper said they weren't required to, by law to notify me. So they took me to jail for the crime of driving under suspension. Not over yet. $376 later, I was out of jail, then had to go back to court for a charge mm-hmm. a couple of weeks later. I went to the DMV first to took care of my, take care of my license. When I got to court, was fined another $376 for the crime, and then was punished by having my new driver's license suspended. Then, once the crime was recorded to my car insurance company, my liability insurance went from $300 a year to more than $4,000 a year. We'll see wow. you tomorrow night online in the meantime at freetalklive.com. Do you like to build things? Have you ever cut wood with a tool? Are you tired of poor quality goods found in the Megalomart? If you answered yes to any of these questions, woodcraftplans.com has a fun project for you to make. We have hundreds of blueprints and patterns which can help all skill levels of craftspeople make wooden lawn furniture, bedroom furniture, yard decor like wishing wells and shadow figures, rocking horses, and a lot more. Visit woodcraftplans.com today. Get a plan and start building. That's woodcraftplans.com.